Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Guild Wars 2 Lightbringers podcast. They can't hear you, so it's fine. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Uh, this is episode 13. We're talking about the finale, the, the judgment part of the Ice Brood saga, and we have some awesome guests here today. We were having fun just before we came on, uh, hence why you can't hear them, because they're having way too much fun. Um, <laughs> but it is nice to see you all. If you're here live on Twitch, thank you very much for joining us. And if you're listening anywhere on Anchor, uh, Spotify, Google, Thing, all the stuff. I don't know, this place goes out to everywhere. Um, oh, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. I'm trying to keep it clean. Okay, clean this week. I've <laughs> got the worst people on it for that to be the case. Um, okay, so. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first word that came out of your mouth. Awesome. Epic. We have some amazing guests. We have Bird of Chess, Kruf, and Angry Zorik. Angry Zorik, who is not quite fully angry, but I would say on the edge sometimes. Edgy. Edgy. <laughs> Ooh, edgy. Okay. Edging? Oh. <laughs> edgy. Kruf. Literally. <laughs> Kruf is not even two minute. minutes into his podcast. <laughs> Now Kruf is the bad boy. Mm-mm. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> bad. Slap yourself on the hand. Anyway, this podcast, which is now X-rated, not clean at all. Um, it's all good, people. I'm just trying to do something with this green screen to make it all look lovely as well. Okay. Um, today we have. Uh, we're talking about the finale of the Guild Wars 2 uh, Ice Brood Saga. I'm trying to get my brain back into the show, okay? So if it takes a minute, you have to forgive me. Um, mm, mm, mm. It's been a bit of a... It's been a bit of a period of time where people have had some words about these things and thought, you know, this is probably a good time to talk about that. And this is a podcast about Pidcast, a podcast about Guild Wars. So it's probably <laughs> worth talking about the finale and a big ending to the story as well, leading on to expansion, uh, a whole tirade of events and stuff that's kind of happening over the summer or up until the expansion. We maybe can assume and we can talk about that. Um, but really, I want to our guests introduce themselves. Zorik, I haven't seen you for a while. I think it's actually been a year since you've been on this. Maybe. It's been a while. But I I've thought, only had I 13 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> thought you gave up, but then but then you're like, hey, do you want to do the podcast? And I was like, got got to play it cool. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're here, my friend. Tell us what you do, where you do it. I, uh, I stream live here on Twitch and over on the YouTube, and maybe I'll do other things soon. I don't know. Depends if I can get past this languished feeling of the pandemic, and then, mm. yeah, that's it. That's all. I, and then I show up in places like this, and people are like, oh, you were on that podcast that one time. And it's like, yep, that one time. And now it's a two-time. Can we make it a three? <laughs> yes. I believe. Third time's a charm. It's awesome to have you here, my friend. Thank you. For, thank thank you. you for coming along. Make sure you check them out. There's going to be everyone's details and stuff is going to be in the description, not their address and everything, but just where you can check them out on Twitch um, <laughs> and Twitter and all of it. Address. Kruf. <laughs> Kruf is here again. Kruf has been oh. here quite a lot recently. How are you doing? What do you do? Where do you do it? 
And... Hello, people. I am so honored and blessed to be invited back again. You guys don't know how important this is to me. My name is Kroof, and I do stuff on YouTube over at Kroof. Uh, and sometimes I stream on Twitch, and, um... Yeah. Oh, I'm working on uh, a whole entire review thing. So if you're over on YouTube and you want some more visual um, and YouTube video stuff, I don't know what I'm saying at this point, but you guys can come along and go join my channel and then I'll, uh, there will be a video soon. So. Awesome. That's good. Yeah. Videos are always good. <laughs> if you go to my YouTube, there will be a video soon. Great advertisement for your content there. <laughs> The intros are really good this week. Um, <laughs> Bird of Chess, what do you do? Where do you do it? And how are you? Hey, Jeb, thanks so much. Um, I'm sorry. I apologize that you've had me on the cast yet again. I know before oh, uh, the whole God. cast, you were really kind of bummed about the fact that I was here again and you just can't get rid of me. So I'm sorry. That's my fault. Um, however, yeah. I would like to say that I am Rook, uh, Bird of Chess. Uh, Kroof's number one fan on the internet, and oh I <laughs> I am a variety MMO broadcaster with a focus on Final Fantasy XIV and Guild Wars 2. Uh, you can find me usually streaming live three days a week over on twitch.tv Bird of Chess. Uh, I do the Aetherite Radio Final Fantasy XIV podcast on Saturdays, and then I usually have a YouTube video that goes up over on YouTube Bird of Chess once a week or so. Uh, so that's sort of what I do where I'm at. I'm also part of the LGBTQI plus stream team Rainbow Arcade. And I am a big advocate for mental health and all that good stuff. So we're a big, diverse, welcoming community that's all about connecting and celebrating the games that we love, even if we do critiques and things like that, too. So that was an intro, and then Cruz is like, I might have a video on YouTube soon. <laughs> um, keep the bar low. The bar is low because I will overcome it. <laughs> Amazing. Let's get into it. Thank you very much, people, for, for joining me today. Muchly appreciate it. is uh right, Judgment the episode. I'm gonna quickly show a cheeky little trailer uh for it actually. And we will watch it. Uh if you are at home and listening to this, you won't be able to watch it. Be able to, be able to hear it. It'll be an ASMR journey. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Welcome to this ASMR experience. Crew! Listen to the thing. This is my choice. I'm gonna start it again. You, be quiet. <laughs> Welcome to this ASMR journey. Norn of a bit. I'm getting bullied. I'm calling HR. <laughs> Tell the commander, this is my choice. So that was like the end of the previous episode, and then we're like, boom. Rylan Steel Catcher. I know. A born game yeah. has waited your whole life for a role worthy of your talents. I'm recounting the things. What did you all think about this when you first saw it? This trailer. I mean, I was feeling pretty good, honestly, yeah. coming off the last episode. I think out of everything that we'd gotten from the like finale chapters that episode episode three to me felt like the most oh gosh stuff is like it's really happening things are really starting and i actually 
for all the Bram haters out there, and I have not always loved the boy myself, but like I did feel as though it was a really good culmination of a lot of his like themes and shortcomings and I liked this moment where he had to set himself aside, but then also by doing that and like by finally letting go of this like belief that he had in who he should be or like the legacy of his mother or the legacy of this prophecy to instead just be like, I am myself and this is something I want to do of my own volition to protect the people I love. I loved that. So like with this teaser coming into it, I was feeling pretty good because I personally thought it was kind of a cool thing to see him use the spirits in this way and, and join with Primordis, but that was just me. Cool. Just yeah, if you want to hear my thoughts, yeah. you can go over to my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> That's about, the video I was talking about. about. Oh, yeah. yeah, but um, watching the trailer, I honestly, it was a an interesting, I guess, first impression mm -hmm. because it was definitely one of those trailers where the bulk of it was mostly just looking back, and that's mm -hmm. always like a a bit of a weird feeling, or at least. When you're when you're being primed for a new episode, you're like, how much is there going to be in this episode? What's it going to be like? Because uh, typically you want to see all the new stuff, but of course, because it was a finale, they kind of want to like look back, particularly at Bram and Ryland, because as we know now, that was the focus of this story beat. But overall, I thought it was it was an okay trailer, at least for summarizing what had happened and it, it didn't really leave me feeling super wowed but it was definitely interesting towards the end with the cinematic when ryland and bram begin to clash i think that was like the highlight you're like ooh, something's gonna happen here mm -hmm. so well i would say it was an okay trailer i liked it it was cool sorry yeah yeah, I felt the same way. It was the ending that made me most interested. When mm -hmm. it first popped up, I actually felt like it was coming pretty fast. Super Adventure Box kept me occupied for a bit there. So mm -hmm. like seeing the trailer and then like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is the end. What what else is going to happen? You know, because of past ending seasons and stuff. And here's the end of the saga, or at least uh, what we believe is the end of the saga, because we don't even know what's coming next. So um, but I just wondered what what it all meant when you see that last part they clash like the, is this is this the end or is this something that's going to be leading to some other beginning like they've done in the past and and that's what i thought and then when i played it you know we'll probably talk about that stuff so <laughs> and then when i played it <laughs> to be continued uh, uh, okay um <laughs> Yes, there is a patch next week as well. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, there's been a lot actually. So we we had this we had this patch um, obviously, uh, and I'll I'll talk about my thoughts about the trailer. Sorry, before going on anywhere else because that was the topic we were talking about. I thought it was good. Um, I was excited about the fact that there was uh, maybe not going to be another new map, and it might be you know this culmination, this big ending kind of finale and like we're maybe gonna find out like when's the next expansion come in when's all this other stuff come in and we had the roadmap recently which is cool so i think the combination of everything together was awesome uh then the trailer was kind of like oh yeah it's just another you know it's another guild wars 2 episode trailer and you know that's the thing that's happening um 
the the real thing i was just like you know is it gonna be any cool skins are dwarfs gonna be in there that's the only two things i really care about <laughs> so <laughs> i'm You're like, joking skins and dwarfs please um i i'm super i'm hyped for, ne for the balance patch next week because a lot of people are upset <sighs> about this and like it's a lot it's normally pvp of world v worlders and normally i would say they are very wrong about the outcomes of uh, patches because a lot of people like to think they know everything about the game and then when the patch comes out it's even worse than they think or it's better than they think they're never right and i love it so it's uh, i'm always excited for the balance patches because i don't think that do you like chaos do i like i do, do you like, like chaos do you yeah. like chaos yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm thriving chaos that's why zombie apocalypse you like watching the worried. community unravel <laughs> yeah yeah is it well, yeah i mean it's just exciting like you know mentally it's like you know what do people think and say and, and especially since you know the episode has come out uh, and i was playing through it and i had wooden potatoes in my chat um and i started to go on this tirade of you know uh, you know the value you get from guild wars 2 and it being free and all this kind of stuff and we're going to talk about it um as we go through the podcast but it's going to be interesting wow you've all got animals rook's got a cat we've got a dog for zorik proof has got myself yourself <laughs> he had a lot of feelings about this uh, final chapter he had to come just you know wait a little bit yeah, so yes good. Good, he's everyone's voice is equally as valid even if they can't communicate in verbal <laughs> ways <laughs> yeah we'll just do some meowing for like the next 10 minutes or so and i, I think we'll really have hit every point we needed to hit mm -hmm, so. true. <laughs> okay so the story itself we're going to talk about the story itself uh, rather than the, the mechanics and everything else and the actual gameplay because i think that it's important to try and potentially separate the two and then combine it all as we kind of get towards the end and and if i'm sighing it's not because you know i didn't enjoy it because i actually did um it's it's just because it's been a week <laughs> for me and like i'm just no, trying to take a break the vaccine. yeah well, it's, i it's had that yesterday effect. yeah uh, mm -hmm. and, the, and the procedure the day before that so i was just like oh yeah i'll just do all the things in a row screw it um i've had a few days off streaming as well so talking has not been a thing i've done much of over the past few days but i'm good um okay so simple question zork did you enjoy the story <laughs> he's gonna set it up for us there you go in a I very did. general sense i enjoyed the story um in fact i was happy with the result and it's so against what so many people said, but I was happy it was done. I was actually happy because um, because I knew what was happening with the story in the background. So seeing a great it, like when the when the Ice Brute Saga started, it was so great. There's this this prelude and all this story and all this exposition, and then of course halfway through, you can tell. Well, things are starting to come out a little bit differently now, and they're coming out in pieces and things like that. And what made me so happy about how it ended is that I could sort of just relax and focus on other things instead of like, oh, well, where's the story still going? Well, now we don't know. And it's, mm. and it's really great because now I don't have to worry about this story that's been so long-winded, this, this dragon thing that's been happening so long-winded that it's going to still be going because I... I just feel like after two expansions and eight years, I'm just tired of the dragons and always dragons, dragons, dragons. And a lot of people, I don't think they're willing to let it go because they're so invested in those stories. But I 
really wasn't. When I played Guild Wars 1, it was these pieces of a story, and then the whole thing happens. When you play through them and you get through the ex- the expansion in Guild Wars 1, yeah. you find out why everything happened, and a lot of people didn't like that either, but I enjoyed it. I was like, ah, oh, somebody was pulling strings here okay. and causing these things to happen. And in this part, it was more of a... I really do feel like when I saw the meta and I finished the story and then the last story part, like it just really did feel like Anet was like, we're done with this. Like, Mm. that's it. We're done. And I was like, thank you. Because I feel like we need to go somewhere else. We need to be doing something else. But Mm. sadly, it's not over because we have an entire expansion coming that's called End of Dragons. (laughs) So (laughs) You were like, the the dragons are gone. Thank God. And now... now there's an entire expansion dedicated but it's it's the road right it's the road we're on that this is obvious when they again when they they rented that hall and they came out and they're talking about the ice brute saga i said this is a start of a new era so that means the old era has to die it has to end it has to cease to be in relation to what we've been doing and also ain't it has changed so much there's so many different devs there now there's so many different things going on in the company that it's just like you either start moving with the company and understanding that their vision is changing or you you don't and you you get this bitter jaded feeling of why would you why would you do this Mm. but for me when i saw it i was like yeah, this is Ana. This is what I now expect from them. And so playing through it and just seeing the story, I enjoyed it through and through because I was like, is is this done? That's what I that's what I thought on the first story thing. And it was getting to the end and one was coming f- from one side. I'm like, is this done? Are we done? But then when they threw me in the next story step, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's more to this. There There is another step to this. What happens to the champions? So like mm. and just playing through the entire episode, even when I was like, okay, yes, Anet still does that thing where they throw that curveball at you and you're like, you're not done. You're not done. You got another step here. And that's what Anet's good at. And the ending, as predictable as the last half of this story was, we sort of knew it from the beginning, but I I was I was still unsure going into it whether they were willing to let let it just end that way and seeing it just i don't know brought a smile to my face and i just it was almost this weird kind of relief too like i don't have to deal with these two entities anymore i can focus on something new and it's just i don't know and a lot of people man i i said those things and they were just pushed back hard because they were like primordial primordis forever and <laughs> Right. I, I okay. Interesting. I wasn't actually <laughs> expecting you to say that. <laughs> to be fair, uh, expectations. As critical yeah. as I am on Anet, I've in the last couple years, I had to take a step back and look at the company itself instead of just focusing on what they've been producing and why they've been producing it that way. Okay. Um, it's more of a how come? How come they're producing it this way? And it's the fact that the writers aren't there anymore. The, the game leads aren't there anymore. This game is evolving towards something that's more sustainable for them. And as much as I don't enjoy the combat and things like that anymore, I do enjoy the fact that I can see the end of the road for certain story parts that have just become very disjointed, convoluted, 
and this was one of them this was this was 11 almost 11 years coming to finally be like okay thank you because they keep talking about it and just just do anything at this point is how i felt it was an anxiety that's always sat with me since guild wars one like the great destroyer and that entire event has sat with me for eight years Mm. and then season three they touched upon it they had this like oh we're gonna tease you with this type of thing and then finally finally you know because a lot of people forget that path of fire wasn't about dragons it was about a god trying to take the dragon <laughs> like the, it was just so frustrating like just the story where it was going and it's just like obviously you don't want to write about the the dragons and it's so good and then i don't know the iceberg saga came and i was like here we go full circle we're coming back but then again this episode shows we're moving on and yeah. it's like oh yes that's an interesting take on it actually as well and uh yeah. Also, thank you very much for the raid. Work to game. Appreciate that big raid as well. Thank you. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. We are are live. Yes, indeed. Put your seatbelt on. You're in for a ride. (laughs) A little bit. Spoiler warning for story. If you are there, spoilers warnings. This is a big spoiler warning. Uh, If you have not played the final episode, we will be talking about all the things. So just make sure you you can leave. That's okay. Check it out later. anchor.com slash jebro unity or just look up the Lightbringers on spotify or whatever you'll find it you'll find the podcast um and you should listen to them all by the time you listen to them all you definitely could have played this chapter of the story <laughs> <laughs> many times actually to be honest oh, uh, you probably could have farmed the uh, dwarf infusion by then actually no definitely actually um yeah so that that was actually a very just going to summarize uh Zorik, and you can tell me whether or not this is correct but basically you're happy that there's loads of stuff that's kind of ended that's been looming for so long um and some of the character arcs and stuff that have kind of ended um and that you know your your views change maybe on the expectations of what maybe arena net are putting out and want to change and evolve as a company and maybe staying in the past not so much um yeah. and not because I think that's a lot about what this um, was about for a lot of older players. Not right in terms of age, but like in terms of, you know, playing Guild Wars original and the disappointment and saying, you're talking about this build-up, this eight-year, I think Wooden Potatoes calls it 10-year story arc that's just been going on and been wondering about what's happening and, the, you know, there was some disappointment there. But for newer players, you know, who came to the series later, like I played Guild Wars 2 beta and I've been playing for, you know, eight years or whatever it's been now. Um... And I have a very different view. And it's um, we'll go for all of them. Um, Rook, how did you feel about the the story? Did you enjoy it generally? I like the way you say that so hesitantly. Like, Rook, if you say if you like Zorix, say that you liked it. I'll yeah. be confused. No, I mean no, no, because I, I I'm just not sure how people feel now because Zorix, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. So, You're <laughs> so I'm not not, <laughs> A not like things. not like I'm expecting you to like bash it, but I was but I didn't expect you to say what you did. Yeah. But I'm you know. That's good. I am. I think, I mean, one, I agree with a lot of what you said, Zorik. I was actually surprised you said that you enjoyed it too. Uh, Just because you're right. I heard so much immediate backlash, like even the day that I was playing it. So Mm. many strong opinions, even from players that I know to be fairly middle ground in like their analysis and appreciation of the game. This really seemed to be like a polarizing moment for a lot of people. And yet, while I was playing through it, 
I enjoyed it, you know? Like, I had fun. I thought that, like, what we got, um, especially here in this culmination, it was short, it was succinct, and I have further thoughts on that for sure, but overall, I actually loved the scale of it. I loved seeing these two huge entities. I loved seeing the champions. I loved that, like, interplay of the elements and that, like, epic fight and that mm -hmm. final scene. That cutscene, too, where they clash was mm. so good. Like, mm -hmm. to me, it really did. The music was also fantastic. I loved that as mm. well, setting it and sort of bringing it home. Um, to me, I really did love and enjoy that, right? Now, do I think that, like, in the larger scope of things, there are there are some places that were pretty big failings with this particular Iceberg Saga? Like, yes, I, I do. But I think a lot of that, too, is maybe balanced for me perspective-wise because of the timing and because of the, de like, demands both in a pandemic but also with an expansion release that are being put on ArenaNet right now that make it a little mm. bit different from something like Season 4, for example. Like, overall, I think Season 4, to me, hung together better. The episodes felt more well-rounded. I felt like the story and narrative, and especially those last cutscenes, oh my god, it like, it got me so good. Some of the twists and turns as well, just felt like they had slightly more dramatic impetus to set them up. Um, whereas I, I do think that overall, like, the journey through the Iceberg Saga was a little bit different, and those chapters at the end were very small parcels, and I couldn't help but wonder how different the experience would have been if they'd even released them in two instead of four. Or like something like that where we got more of a hunk. Because it, it is one of those things where at the end I feel good, I feel satisfied, I do actually really like a lot of the things. I have critiques of plenty of other things. Um, but I do agree that it felt a little bit short and a little bit jarring, especially like leading directly into a new expansion and for tying up such a huge beat like Jormag and Primordis. Um, of course, there's some part of me that a little bit is like, yes, I would have loved to see something that felt a little bit more distinctive to either of them as entities mm -hmm. or, you know, to have something there that feels like we really did get to take such a journey. And Jormag is so compelling and interesting that a lot of that more like nuanced, charismatic, that persuasion element, I really don't feel got served well mm. here in the ending, per The se. ending, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I would have liked to see something more with us having to make more of a decision of like, is this entity actually something that can be reasoned with as opposed to, again, just killing the dragons. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's this weird mixed bag for me because... On one hand, I did enjoy it, and I do like it, and I respect the direction that they've decided to take, because it was a choice, and that was the choice that they went with, and I don't mm. think it's out of nowhere, right? Mm. But at the same time, like, are there certain things that, yes, I think could have been better served if they'd had a little more time? Well, roundedness, um, the dwarves, I know we're going to talk about later, Jeb, but that's a whole thing for me. It's like, yeah, I do, but I do think that what we got here, and especially for me what's shown was the writing in that last scene with Kresha. Like, that got me. And the voice acting. And like, there were some moments there at the very end that I think were so strongly done. Um, Ritlock, when he holds him. Oh my god. Like, those were really, really good mm. beats to me. So yeah. overall, I enjoy it. I don't think that it's because they are sloppy or they don't care that the writing is terrible or that the quality of the game is abysmal. Mm -hmm. I just think that there were maybe some spots where things fell through the cracks, for sure. 
overall, I still enjoyed it a lot, and I really liked it, and I'm excited to go back and go back through it all. Um, but do I feel like, yes, there are maybe some discussions to be had? For sure. I think there were also some really spectacular moments, though, as well. I mean, I, it's, I think, you know, you, well done. <laughs> that was very well put <laughs> yeah. together in just one string of, I've been <laughs> of, of four. Uh, very good. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? So just kind of round up on your set on what you're saying. You're saying generally you enjoyed it, but there are issues with the story. There are plot holes. There are um, parts that are missing. Maybe uh, I think Valen said it in chat as well. You know, it, my reaction to his react, sorry, their reaction depends on um, you know what happens in the future, for example, because there's still things in the air. Um, and and like you say you know the dwarves that's that's kind of an element of that as well i think for me specifically because i have a weird obsession with this race of uh awesome <laughs> awesome awesome people um and <laughs> it, yeah that that especially that and someone else said it in the chat as well you know that part with ryland uh and ritlock and krisha and, and was you know one of the best parts of it it was it was well done um, and it, I think that highlights how, you know, they are good at telling a story when they know the focus and, and they know where they want to go with it. Um, and they've got the focus on that moment. And I think, you know, and, and I would try to go back and I was trying to talk to Bangar and, and I missed some of the Bangar moments interaction wise. So I'm only about halfway through that and I don't think I'm going to be able to get back, get it back. Sorry, but it's, it's always a lot of it. I'm at this part where... Um, he's talking to Ritlock um, and this is when they're in Eye of the North and he's in the cage and he's still in there you know so it's a bit weird um, <laughs> good even I'll finish the story and he's talking about how you know um, basically the char when they leave their children they, they essentially just don't have cubs anymore they're not supposed to really care about them they're just their own independent things you know they don't really care whereas like you know Ritlock's this seasoned warrior who's who's out of the char really he's not really in that community he's not really part of it so much and it, he carries these beliefs and these uh, strong values anymore it's more of like these beliefs and values from other communities you know which we hopefully all do in just our normal lives when we encompass everything and we just come up with our own awesome mix of personality and uh he's kind of like that but he does care and you know really does come through like that and it's like a different side of a char maybe which we haven't seen before or they haven't seen before especially um, I was just going to say, if you haven't read from season four, the Ritlock short story, I think that's what really also gave me so much context on that moment. And like, you can still, mm. I think, get a lot from that moment in general. But like, if anybody hasn't seen it, when they were doing this sort of finale towards season four, they released these short stories. Kate's is another one that I think really shines. Um, but Ritlock's is all about his, the fact that he's realized that even though he came from this culture, right? that has these certain beliefs that he himself has seen, like you said, how other people do it in such a way that he has realized that maybe having like a child or having a relationship with his son was something that he will never be able to get back now. Mm. And there's a lot of debate about, you know, like, is it too human for the char to, you know, have these kind of emotions and things. But to me, I find it more compelling because it's like a narrative thread that we can understand, yeah. right? Absolutely. And I think it makes yeah, that more it. complex. Yeah, it makes that moment even more deeply, you know, like you said, complex for him because he has failed in so many ways and it has led to this in many ways. Um, but his love is still undiminished and the first and only time he really holds him as his son is when he's dying, which is like 
the worst emotionally in my heart. I wasn't expecting that. Um, I think I think a sword through his stomach. Although, mate, yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, that was okay. So, so before we talk about this more, Kruf, I want to get your opinion. We can talk more generally about it. <laughs> what? So, what did you think? Because this oh. is really good, actually like. Well, yeah, I think Zorik and Rook have both hit on extremely key points. If I were to just give any contribution to this, I think when you look at the general structure uh -oh. of the Icebeard Saga, <laughs> and like... What? <laughs> when you look at the general structure of like the Icebeard Saga, and something like uh, a Freytax triangle you have the introduction the rising action the climax the falling action and the denouement or like the the resolution and all that stuff and i think ultimately in, in a general sense ice brood saga succeeds my issue comes with the details of it i think they tried to juggle three storylines within a six episode window with the Norn, with the Char and their conflict. And then with such a big conflict that we've come to know with Primordis and Jormag. It started with Jormag and then they eventually introduced Primordis, which I also Wait, think and it was four might have been episode, a really big... right? Well, if you count like prologue, the prologue, prologue. The, the prologue and then the one through five episodes, true, if you true, count true, true. all of those six episodes, but I think... I, I will say overall, I found this season to be more so middle of the road for me. It definitely mm -hmm. wasn't, in my opinion, the worst, but I don't think it was necessarily the best. I think season four of The Living World was kind of more on my, my high end of, of ranking because I felt like it was really well executed uh, mm -hmm. in a timely manner and they had some really great cinematic pieces and and really brought things together. But I think the Ice Brute Saga tend, uh, tends to kind of taper off after i think no quarter i think no quarter that episode in particular with the char battles that was the final episode where i really really saw how the living world can shine and i was really intrigued by the story mm -hmm. I, I held on but i think after that considering the timing of the world events with the pandemic and their focus on the expansion i think after that episode you could really start to see things kind of slip a little bit and particularly with the finale. I think that's where I also had a, an issue with not necessarily their shift in focus, but how they go about managing those details. I think we can say like, due to all the worldly events and the studio's direction, of course, that gives context to yeah. why they make these choices. But in the end, these are still choices that they make. And yeah. the narrative in terms of designing it these are choices that they have made. And I think it's still up for critique, and I just generally felt a little underwhelmed by the ending. I think that's a fair point. I think there, there's one thing that I think... <clears throat> I think different companies have oh, different ways of dealing with, you know, events that happen in our lives, right? You know, the companies work very differently. Some more, you know, have independent story writers that are very, you know, maybe maybe aren't that collaborative and can just put something together, which works. I think um, ArenaNet are a very collaborative family of people who need to bounce off each other in person to, to really produce the best quality of stuff. I just feel like that's probably... And, and I think that's a credit, um, but also, unfortunately, in this pandemic, I think it might be, you know, something which... 
has obviously been quite a big issue and it's a big issue for for so many people um but we have seen many games and many mmos and stuff come out with with content which has been flawless and has actually been completely fine um and not many people have an issue for it with it so i think it's just how how people work in these situations but also you know how maybe arena that have worked in the past and, and what zorik said before is very relevant you know leading up to this moment but so so the pandemic thing i, I, I we, we always talk about you know as an excuse yes. nothing else and i'm just like well everyone else has been dealing with this so how would have these other companies yeah. dealt with it and i think there's a lot of lessons to learn um for everyone but it is, I wanted to say though, it is mm. interesting because, um, you know, Jeb, I know you play a lot of other MMOs and yes. things as well yeah. too, but the vast majority of them actually were more affected initially than ArenaNet was, um, mm. or at the very least were much slower to get things together, you know? Um, huge gaps in content release, months of delay. Um, whereas ArenaNet really, we had the voice acting, right? Mm. But they were one of the few MMOs that I was playing at the time that actually continued to output content generally around the schedule. And even this finale mm. is ahead of schedule. So like, it's, it's interesting to me because I think they did a fantastic job as mm. far as staying on, you know, yeah. like on yeah, pace with yeah. what they wanted mm. to do. And the expansion, Absolutely. theoretically, we don't know, but you know, it's not like we've had an announcement where it's been pushed back multiple months or anything. Mm. Um, but I do agree in that. I think like Kruf, like you were saying, I think, it shows in areas and i do think that there are some spots where maybe it could have been handled a little bit better with how they were going to construct things and bring things home here you know it's it's interesting and we'll never know unless you're in the studio how it truly affected everybody and to what extent this is true well actually funny enough i had bobby stein in my raid on saturday who we got to ask a few questions <laughs> so i haven't like answers wise like i was we i actually asked him you know how do you like on stream like you know with the story and all the the kind of feedback you're having and the kind of mentioned wooden potatoes about and other people you know he was saying you know they're very open to how people feel you know so that's how we get better at what we do like we're not always gonna be able to tell the perfect story that everyone wants to hear and having this feedback is, is awesome to have it's very positive about it um so you know they handle it in a, very, in a very very good way obviously behind the scenes you know if someone tells you 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 know they don't like your work it's not going to be a massively enjoyable thing to hear um but you know i think he's he's very he's very good at what he does and he knows what feedback is and that's and, and like they can action that and maybe hopefully work with that in the future but i think generally and I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about my my own feelings about it you know i, I really like the ryland bit at the end um you know like berdashes said uh rook said sorry and um i don't know it's guild wars 2 story has always been a bit of a like yeah <laughs> i enjoy it like, it's okay yeah you know, i'm not like you know massively hyped for it or anything i think you know guild wars 2 is is more of the, the combat and everything else for me but there are definitely parts of the story which i can connect to um i enjoy the amount of story there is in terms in terms of you know relation to content elsewhere in the game i don't have to spend hours upon hours and cutscenes and just like reading text and everything like if i compare it to final fantasy like i mean i know this final fantasy 14 story is awesome but there's a lot to read <laughs> and like and sometimes i just i like to have that combat i like to have the things going on in the background you know i like that kind of live action you're walking through people are talking while you're doing stuff i like that that they do that and they do it very well 
and this was it was short and actually i really this was my favorite thing they've released for a long time <laughs> in all honesty um i really really enjoyed it and i was like it was short and sweet and i was just like cool um i had no expectations of, of from guild wars um of what was going on i think you know the only problem i had was comparing a and we'll talk about mechanics and fights and everything but the the epicness of the story in comparison to what else you've done in the past like krakatoric and um you know the mouth of mordromoff and stuff like this where you know and the <laughs> Zorik is rubbing his head and and that's where i start to think about you know how good could this have been and you know how you know how much you know yeah exactly how good could this have been even though you enjoyed it very much so it could have been a lot better and maybe you have got to a point now where you have expect not to be surprised and about how awesome this could be does that make any sense the way i said that i feel bad saying that as well but it's, More like, or less. it's like maybe my expectations have been dropped to a point where you know i'm not expecting too much from the a living world episodes and maybe i expect a lot more from the expansion and a lot has a lot of that has to do with money and actually paying for things because i'm a strong mm-hmm. believer in like you know this is a free thing that we get to have when we log in each week and it's an addition to the game and okay we can definitely be critical of that and it should always be good everyone else charges for this stuff <laughs> in one way shape or form whether That's or not true. it's a subscription whether or not you are paying for the expansion whether or not you had to pay for the extra story you know elder scrolls online has eso plus you can play all of the dlcs for free you still have to pay that if you do not pay that you have to pay for the dlc and that's like 30 40 bucks um if you are playing world of warcraft sure you don't play for the extra updates but you pay a sub you're still paying 16 dollars 50 a month uh, in america uh you know final fantasy 14 you're paying for a sub if you're past that part, part like part of the story um which is free then you're paying for that and in most games you're doing the same uh and it doesn't necessarily mean that it shouldn't be good and that's not that's not what i'm saying the expectation <laughs> is you know if it's free it's cr- you know <laughs> it, well, it's no, just, but it should be like or leave it jeb it's so fair though right like honestly i talk all the time about how low the cost is for guild wars 2 it's a huge reason that a mm-hmm. lot of people I even know pick it up or are able yeah. to even play it when they can't play other subscription-based games but even with that right i hadn't necessarily really thought to myself like okay so right now with this finale this living season i know that they have a limited team i know that they have limited resources so yeah. all of that was playing in my mind but i wasn't necessarily thinking about the financial decision of like right now do we focus on making this expansion a huge thing because we are mm-hmm. going to get big rep like the only revenue from the sales of this or do we devote our time sort of equally to something like the finale of the iceberg saga yeah it's tough because like i do think yes you want to generate and continue to like push that hype forward you want to give your you know long-standing players something to do you want new players who are coming in now to even like enjoy the story beats that lead up to the expansion but when it comes down to it like breaking it up in this small manageable way for the cost and the labor and all of the different things that have to be made it makes sense from a financial standpoint and to put everyone else that they can on this thing that is actually going to drive sales for the game which is one Mm -hmm. of the few times that like 
Guild Wars 2 ever charges for something, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's the third time in eight years, you know, it's it's yep. literally that. I mean, other than the, the release of the game. Um, and, and it's it's very important to think about that. And and when you say that as well, it brings up thoughts of, you know, where would I want to see the best evolution or of the team or the most work done? It's in the products I'm going to pay for. And it's in the it's in the thing I'm gonna be you know spending a lot more time in rather than this story, which is you know not gonna be forgotten because you never want to forget the story in the game. But you know it's it's still gonna be there, cruise face. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? But I mean, is it, it telling that you said forgotten, considering that we took out two elder dragons? That's well, that's what we can talk about as well. That's the thing. Um, it's, it's very it's very difficult because i'm t- i'm very torn because I, I i've got different voices in my head saying that's terrible you shouldn't think that but they're not at the same time like you know all of it should should be good we should be expecting a quality standard but i did but i did enjoy it so i'm like you know it was kind of at a level where i was like yeah that's cool but like i don't know <sighs> okay so general general story we've kind of we've kind of talked about that I do want to <laughs> do want to move on though. Um, is there anything else anyone wanting to add quickly with, when we're talking about story? Because I've got loads of these these kinds of beats of like you know questions about the story, but general thoughts. Is there anything anyone wanted to add? I think Zorik wants to. I mean, on the story, not really. I think I think what I've said about the story, but Anet as a company, I definitely. I'm just going to say it this way. Anet is such an easy company to see their possible potential that it's really easy to fall into that gap of they're not doing good enough. But my thing always was that every time Anet has tried to introduce something that to increase the revenue, to improve what they're doing, because you need money for workers. And every time they do that, there's always pushback from the community one way or another. So the community in itself has made this a self-fulfilling prophecy of a standard that is lower than their expectations will ever reach. And so seeing that potential every time, yeah, I see it too, but I've also learned it's our fault in a way, because (laughs) why don't you buy more stuff off the gym store if you want to support them? Why don't you, because it's not going to happen tomorrow if you start giving them money today, it's something you're going to see six months, a year down the road. And and the thing is, Anet doesn't pull in the same kind of revenue as these other companies. So there isn't something yeah. they can't bank on the money being there tomorrow the same way other companies can. When they can look at their subs this month and be like, this is how much revenue we got to work with and so on. They have this microtransaction store that's a little more wild and finicky. And also, you can get anything on there for free if you work hard enough in the game. Mm. So Anet continues to spoil us with with all this stuff. And yeah, it's going to cost us something somewhere. And I do feel like this time around, uh, with the Icebrood Saga, what it ended up costing us is that they need money. An expansion was demanded. They need to work on that. And so they had to cut out all this fleshed out story that they were making and streamline it into some kind of ending. And I, and yeah, I can see the potential. I do. I have, I have this want Chats for them go to mad. go back. <laughs> it's, it's, that's not Chat, what, he's yeah. not saying it's our fault. Chat is like, oh, Zorik, hold on a minute. <laughs> hold up. Uh, hold my beer. Uh, I do tend to kind of, I kind of agree with chat though. So chat, I kind of see what you're saying too, though. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you on that one. But I think you I'm pay, but you pay for it all the time, though. You oh, pay for I agree. it all the time. 
Oh my gosh, Zork, I actually, I absolutely agree with you. And I think, and yeah, I mean, like, yes, it's like, and as always, whenever somebody states an opinion like this, you, like, there is always a greater context. So like, of course, Zork, I know you're not saying like, all of this is the player's fault. So if you're just with the story, it's, it's a very good Zorik impression, by the way. Very old English accent. There. Yes, I'm very, I'm very good at it. So thank you. My vocal skills are being put to good use. Um, no, it, but it's like, of course, that's not what you're saying. You're not saying like this is like a statement is like, well, it's all the player's fault. It's not. But when it comes down to it, I mean, it is amazing how even stuff like, oh my gosh, what is it? Those the templates, but you had to pay to unlock more, or it, it, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the yeah. little templates. Yeah. So, like, the amount of vitriol that I see, even as a streamer and content creator, on a daily basis for those is ridiculous to me. Like, I just, I'll be completely honest, I love you all so much, but I pay out the wazoo in other games for all sorts <laughs> of nonsense that is far more egregious than having to pay to unlock a few extra tabs in a game that otherwise costs me nothing. And yet, the, like absolute vitriol that i see the continued mm. repetition of hammering this home right so it's it's something where i think that as we discuss stuff like this i agree in the sense that i think that these are very specific reasons as to why the content and focus has been shifted very fully to end of dragons um, however, I do on the other side with Kroof also agree that with what they had and the story beats that they had, I think the scale of what was done was a bit too ambitious to do in this kind of format. Like, and it started so good too, because honestly, I think that that prologue is one of my favorite things. <sighs> like that map is so good. The setup, I even really liked the first time that we start pushing into oh gosh you know, like our marches and there's that like the creepiness and the bone skinner and like all of that is so strong i don't think the finale overall lived up to it which is i think something like the balance is off right the balance of having this huge thing at the beginning versus the end feels off but i think it's also a direct cause and effect of exactly what we're talking about with the financial limitations and developmental limitations of a company like ArenaNet which is something that's really valid to be weighed in these discussions, right? Mm. Because when it comes down to it, this is how game companies function. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's worth critique and it's not any one person's fault. It's not like nothing like that. It's just that we do have to accept that money is a part of how games are made. And that in ongoing games that require servers and all sorts of stuff like Guild Wars 2, it's a huge reason why certain focus is taken in specific areas and does cost some of these imbalances. They had way more time to work on stuff at the start, and now they have less resources dedicated towards it as they push to try and release an expansion, which will provide them the funds that they need leading forward. So it's really valid to bring up in this discussion, even if it's not directly tied to, like, story itself. But I also agree that, yes, I think there are certain things they should have narrowed down in scope, and I think that there are certain things that maybe were not communicated super well, and that there were certain beats that were dropped that could have been a little bit more honed, if that makes sense. And I think that is just the team itself. And maybe some mm. of these issues, you know, with like bringing this whole vision together with what they were able to do. Does that make sense? And, yeah. Yeah. It's... And I'm not, I'm not saying the players are at fault at all, yeah. because uh. it, this is a consumer world, right? When you like content, you're, gonna, you're going to pay for it in the moment. That's oh, why when you go to the movies, 
you know, you're willing to pay 25 bucks or whatever, even if even I'm if not. you get the ticket. We go to the movies. I sleep and we... in for free. I go through the exit. <laughs> so Guild Wars 2 is $30, right? And we have thousands of hours of playtime and entertainment from it, but we're willing to go to the movies and pay a fifth of that, or maybe even a double of that for only three hours yeah. or whatever of your yeah. time. So it's always, it's that consumer thing in the moment. And gamers, when they see a certain standard for so long and the revenue doesn't support that standard, like Rook is talking about with how big, like j this game is so huge. It's just so huge and so ridiculous from where it was when it started that there's just no amount of money that could ever cover all of it. It's just impossible. So I could, I could be like, well, community, if you just donated a few billion dollars, right? Mm. And yeah, that would fix everything, yeah. I'm sure, and then cause so many other pitfalls. What I'm saying is that the community can't also backlash when, when it becomes more obvious that Anet isn't that kind of company. Like, so, oh, man, Rook says it so much better than me every time, but... My my thing is, is that when we got to the end of the Ice Brute Saga, it was fairly obvious that either NCSoft wants more money or they're running out of money. Either way, it doesn't matter. And yeah, if they had a sub, if they had something, we may have got a much different result at the end of the day. But it's going to fall flat when the revenue falls flat. And that's what happened here. That's truly what I feel like happening. But at the mm. same time, I agree with Rook 100%. By ending this stuff now, it gives them a chance to create what they can create that isn't so ambiguous and where where's all these threads going type of thing. Are we making a sweater? Are we making pants? We don't know. And that's just it. That's been the entire game. The potential is all over the place. If Anet can narrow it down, we don't have to worry about imbalances and things like that because it's streamlined. They know what they're doing. They're focused finally. I feel like as a company, the Ice Brute Saga was this great focus. They were going to put the resources in the storytelling. And then obviously that fell away. But that's the how come. How come this didn't end up being better? And yeah, it's obvious that the expansion is more important. The expansion is going to stay that way. And yeah. and but at the same time, to say the way the if you played through the entire Ice Brood saga, that there isn't hours of entertainment with a good story. It's not the greatest thing in all the places, but there are moments where you're invested, where you're like, yes, what's gonna happen from here? And then seeing the ending with Ryland, you're just like Wow, mm, that was just solid. like, right. again, but that's what Anet is. They they have they have all this potential to be like that all the time, but it's just not possible with what they have. Their tools, the tools aren't as great or can't be funded for the same way. I think, but, I, I just want to, but I'm not, but yeah, again, yeah, the community yeah. isn't at fault. We are going to consume things the way we consume it. Yeah. But as for me, I'm on this enlightened journey that devs are people <laughs> and, you know, they, they too have to go take a, a dump, you know, it's like, it's, they don't always have time to focus on that one part of the story. They'll forget they have to, they have to keep moving with a different part, whatever happens, or, you know, they come in and the boss today tells them, this is what you're working on. You have to stop the other <laughs> thing. And that just, that just sucks for them the because I'm sure some of them, <laughs> some of them get really invested in that part of the story, and that's why it's so good. Right. But then that fight fades away because they've been told you can't work on that anymore or whatever. They just don't have time for it anymore. But 
I will say this, ANET in the last about year, year and a half has given us more quality of life things we've asked for and brought back the things we've asked for than any other time. So it's almost like ANET understands, yes, we're not gonna give you that standard you know, expansion level quality, but we're gonna start giving you that other stuff that makes it just a little bit better. And hopefully we can inch towards something that's higher. That's why I always say it's a, it's a better game for new players than veterans because them coming in, they get all these awesome tools and stuff that we had to sit through and grudge through the grime and get to this point where, you know, there's just this feeling of, oh, you let me down again. But when you're a new player, you never get that feeling because you get to watch the entire series. It's the, header, it's the Harry Potter effect. When the books were coming out one by one, I remember people's attitudes were a certain way until the very end of it, where they're like, yeah, I like the ending or whatever, but it's such a long series. If you were to start it now, it would take you so long to get through it all, but you would be like, wow, that was really good or whatever, because you're coming into it late. Also, you have a second thing, uh, an entire movie that's just a synopsis that sort of gives it to you a way where you don't have to sit there and read boring books like I think they are. <laughs> But I never got into Harry Potter, but just seeing people's reactions to that. I'm not sure how they, people react about the arena nets and JK Rowling comparison either. So right. <laughs> we've, we've had one. those moments, have we not? The company itself has those moments, dare I say her name, that came out and made these moments where companies have to deal with this stuff. And should we forget, should we forget that ANET isn't an entity itself? It is people creating a creation that we play type of thing so there's always going to be these these stabs and things that happen whether it's in their real life or not mm -hmm. that's obviously it gets reflected in the game and i've become more aware of when that's happening than every other time and i think the ice brute saga has opened up a lot of people's eyes that they're going to be disappointed if they continue to think that this this new standard hasn't been created already i've seen it in the combat in the last two and a half years. Yeah. It has changed drastically from where it was at the beginning of the game. You go into Central Tyria, it's a breeze. I can I can wipe out any champs, legendaries, whatever. You go into this new content, no way, not gonna happen. Even veterans, you get enough of them in a place, you're gonna go down. You're just gonna get swarmed and they're gonna spam you with their attacks and their CC and that's it. But that's just it. The story is the same way. You get these great moments of yes and things, but it's not, like it was in Living Story, where you have to consume it now. Living Story Season 1 sort of spoiled the veterans there that we get this and nobody else does if they're not there. And then we get into the Ice Brute Saga and it's it's chunks. It's little pieces that aren't even fitting together yet. And now that it's done, if you go back and play, it's a lot of story, a lot of content, a lot of things you have to, you have to read and work through. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know, eight years it took to us to get to this point. And just again, when I got to the end and saw the dragons do what they do, it's a relief. It's like Aina is trying to get this somewhere else. And is it a relief for the narrative in, in itself or is it a relief because we are tired of it? I think it's I think a there's a big of, difference between angry, satisfaction uh, of sorry, the actual. I think there's a big difference of like the satisfaction of what the story actually culminates to for that story itself versus that story itself in conjunction to a future story. Yeah, I would. I think that's a really astute point, yeah. Kerf, and you sort of dropped the microphone with that. So um, I'll oh. pick it up and dust it off. And, <laughs> no, I mean I think it's it's fair because. When I do think about it, the emotional high points of this moment for me, 
I mean, one, it is always cool to see big dragons just hitting each other or hitting you or hitting <laughs> everything and each other. Like, I am slamming together. Look, yes, I love, I love the dragons. I am not tired of dragons because I cannot get tired of them. They are one of my favorite things in fantasy. Arena is one of my. Like, I love them. I grew up on the Dragon Riders of Pern series. Like, I just, I love dragons. Um, so now that that's out of the way and I've stated my truth, I... No, I do think that if we are dissecting this from a narrative standpoint, right, that what we have as a culmination is fantastic in the interpersonal relationships between... Really like here, um, Ritlock, Cretia, Rylan. I think that is where the biggest narrative payoff from this whole thing is. I do not necessarily think that the culmination that we got with Jormag and Primordis is a direct reflection of, like you said, relief of their stories truly being culminated, right? Because with that, we have different details that didn't get used. So on Primordis's side, we have this will-they-won't-they they kind of ambiguity, right? Um, these malicious things that they've done to the Coden. The Norn's homeland, which never really gets addressed mm. in the way that I would have loved it to be addressed. Like, the spirits, which does get addressed. Um, we have all these things about Primordis that are, I would say, the tension, right? The tension that creates the sort of movement with this character towards what would be a resolution for them, right? So... Uh, with a deception character, maybe the relief in that then is having their lies come out into the light, which we do kind of get in that episode where we realize that Jormag is truly against us. Mm -hmm. But again, do I think that that narrative beat is the most compelling and interesting thing they could have done with an ambigu like, ambiguous character like Jormag? No! Like, I think there's a lot that could have been done with Jormag. Jormag is compelling and fascinating, and I love it. Yeah. On the other side, you have Primordis, whose great, like, tension in the world is that Primordis, you know, was a threat we have already faced that an entire race sacrificed themselves to try and combat the dwarves. And this is one of my biggest failings in this whole arc, I think, the dwarves. Because to me, I've waited for years to see, like, I don't know every single bit of context. I haven't played through all of Eye of the North, and I know that a huge amount of stuff really pertains there, right? But for me as a player that played through Guild Wars 2 first, I have had this threat of the dwarves. You get these like fragments. And I was like, what happened to all of them? Where did they go? What did they come? But they have to come back, right? Because if they're in stone, but they can still talk, you can still come back someday. Because it's fantastic. Rice in the expansion, yeah. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was so excited because the dwarves to me have always been like a Chekhov's gun in the sense that they're like, well, we're still here and we did this thing. And it's like, okay, well then when are when is they when are they gonna come back? And so when they came back, but we didn't even have a cutscene talking to them about like where you been, how it been down there. Tell me about your struggles. <laughs> <I've been. laughs> like I was so that was one of the biggest everything else aside, that was one of the biggest missteps for me. So if we're talking again about the payoff of these two entities, Primordis Jormag, right? With with Primordis. The dwarves, to me, would have been a huge catharsis with that, where we got some really cool stuff. We got, if you did that optional memory pool journey, I loved that. I thought that was super cool. We got some stuff that was so good this mm. season. Really, don't let go of it. It was so good. Those optional journals you can collect, 
um, realizing, you know, ahead of time that all this stuff was happening with the dwarves even sort of stirring and awakening. But we didn't get the payoff for that. And I think in that sense, this final clash is not a catharsis for these two entities, because the specific things that have created their tension were not used as a resolution, if that makes sense. So huge narrative journey breakdown coming to a closure here that I don't think I think Krufi hit the nail on the head with it. Right. But when it comes to the actual themes represented in Bram and Ryland, that I think was a really big success in a lot of ways. I think they both took very, very distinctive journeys that I could relate to. And in that final moment to have this Fisher, and I, I'll talk about that later, like the actual breakdown of some of those beats. Like, I think that was really where we got the catharsis. Now, from another standpoint, is it nice? And do I think that they did need to move beyond this plot line? There's way more stuff to do in Tyria. Yes. So get it done. Let's figure out what we're going to do with End of Dragons. I get it. That's fine. I understand. You know, um, I can have that perspective and, and understand the context. But I do agree that I think they did not provide a catharsis through story for those two dragons specifically, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. I agree. I agree with that. And I think for me, I think the one character to have been who was not served properly was actually Primordis out of everyone in the Icebreed Saga. Most because we've gotten some idea of who the dragons were, even with Zaitan, even though Zaitan didn't directly speak. He spoke through the mouth and the eye, and we still got the whole entire idea of what Zaitan was doing and what they were. And then we got actual dialogue from Mordramoth, and then we got actual dialogue from Krakatoric, and actual dialogue from Jormag especially, which was a major reason why Jormag was such a compelling character. But to have introduced Primordius halfway through, more so towards the end of the season, we never even got to dissect Primordius as a character. We never got any thoughts about them, what their goals were. We got a lot about Jormag, but they kind of just popped Primordis in, didn't give them a voice in any way, and then killed them off. So I think Primordis was the least served in terms of the entire pantheon of dragons. Okay, right. I agree to a point, because Primordis has been the one dragon that's been around the longest. We've seen, we saw him all the way in Guild Wars 1. We saw his destroyers, but we didn't get an answer to what kind of dragon he was. Even Zaitan didn't go around talking to us. He didn't mock us openly. He was just consuming magic. And so it's the type of dragon we're up against. Kalkatoric even was going insane towards the end of his journey. So at one point, Kalkatork was willing to speak and talk. And then by the time we got to him, we couldn't even speak to him until we're inside of Kalkatork. So I think Primordis either had that kind of issue going on or has always just been what the story says. Primordis is a wildfire that's out of control. And Jormag is the icicle that sticks you. And so therefore, Jormag actually needed a story before Jormag went out the door so you understand the two opposite sides. One is using all their intelligence against you and the other one's using brute force. And Primordis has been changing the landscape for a long time because back in Ember Bay, we get to see the dwarf that's there, that's just ahead. But it's still, we get that beginning 
of Primordius's journey of of there's something going on in this volcano, there's things going on, and then we get the the ring of fire. We get to see we get to see even more and we even get when we're fighting Balthazar, Primordius is right there waking up. And without that, without us beating that situation, Primordus would have woke up then, and so would have Jormag, but they both, again, got knocked out for a bit. And so Primordus's story, it didn't just end in Guild Wars 1, it didn't just end here in the Icebrood Saga in the same sense. We've seen a lot of Primordus's effect in Tyria, but the only ending was when Jormag woke up. And I really do feel like Jormag could have been such a great villain, but Anet didn't have the time to write out everything. We get, if you, act, and again, like the lore in the game is so hidden sometimes that we forget that Anet just throws a book here, throws something there and that kind of stuff. When you catch that stuff in the story, you realize there is so much more to this that they'll never, they'll, there's just again it's too big we we couldn't we couldn't get it all in the game today they would have to write and i don't know why they don't do this but write books write the books so we gamers when we do have downtime or don't feel like playing the game we can see the stuff we're missing i think that's important and in this case with Jormag dying and Primordius dying, I do feel like that felt flat but at the same time it was excellent the way they did it it's just that that's it like that that's it for these two dragons zaitan you know had this entire game getting to his point but again zaitan wasn't special at all we ended up just pressing one key until zaitan finally fell into the water and so mordramoth when they introduced him i was like this is a direction for a dragon this dragon is taunting us this dragon knows things we don't know and is going to use it against us so i was hoping jormag was going to be something greater than that and primordius was going to try to prove that it doesn't matter how smart you are i'm just going to bash you into the ground but we have orin and orin is that dragon man it's so frustrating because i don't know can we talk about the champion thing can we talk about the champion thing? I mean, are we there yet? I mean, okay, yeah. let, let, let's just let's just kind of gather our thoughts here because we've been talking for yeah. a while about many, <laughs> many, many different things, and I feel like I need to get us on some kind of track. Um, but uh, I think we can we can talk about all things. We can definitely do that. Um, we've been going for over an hour as well, so I'm I'm very conscious that we haven't talked about much else other than just the story, even though it is important. Like this is the main <laughs> thing that everyone is is very interested in because I don't know because the the actual mechanics and everything else was important i think there's there is definitely those 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 major plot holes that were missing you know dwarves primordius was you know this dragon who was fighting all of these races doing all this stuff and now what are they doing where are they who's who are we gonna see him again questions that can be answered in the expansion there's loads of content coming out um, all the past stuff that's gone on in the game that's still there like how is this gonna is it gonna change is it gonna be affected obviously there's still people playing through the content that can't be a thing in the core game so that's gonna be another thing um jaw mag is is gone we you know again you know i've seen people in chat saying you know how do we definitely know this is a thing and we haven't even talked about the major end bit um which we haven't even talked about yet and maybe people aren't even aware of and i'm gonna pull a screenshot out in a second we can talk about that because there is another ending to this story um as well when the dragons are actually killed what well, killed whatever they are um because all we see is the screen go white we don't actually see anything else um because we feel that maybe 
their energy is going toward camphor. And this is like one of the ideas, I guess, that people have. I'm trying to find the screenshot while I'm talking. Um, but yeah, so we, one of the things that was done very, very well, cinematics were very awesome. And that's part of the storytelling, right? So you've obviously got text, you've got audio, you've got imagery, and then you've got, you know, cin cinematics, these awesome scenes. Um, and that scene, like, I'm going to pull some screenshots out here. So if you're one of the guests, you might want to have a quick look at the screen. But this whole section at the end was amazing. It was absolutely wicked. Like, I was like, my, my mouth was open. I was like, this is flipping cool. Like, these two dragons just yeah. going at it, literally, like, pulling each other, like, flipping jaw mag, pulls open the mouth of Primordus and just, like, breathes this breeze like breeze you know this beam of whatever into his mouth to destroy it's just like it was so good like it was so visual it was just i was just like i want a flipping guild wars 2 movie let's do this and it was just so good um and just all these moments from from the whole thing sorry there's drilling apparently going on now which i wasn't really sure about what was gonna happen um but I'm trying to find the moment right at the end. All of these bits I'm probably going to come back to. Um, where you do see... There you go. There's the flash of light right at the end uh, of the actual story itself. That was me playing my Ellie. Uh, and then, apparently, I took a lot of screenshots. Um, <laughs> here we go. There we go. This is it. This is the part I wanted to talk about. And if you're listening to this uh, audibly, obviously... On Spotify and all the things. If you haven't seen it, there was this kind of if you do the story and you do it solo or you do it in a group, you get to stay down inside the little chasm where they're fighting. Um, and you get to pull Bram out, right? Who's who's, you know, survived quite an event, in all honesty. Um <laughs> We'll talk about that as well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Ryland survived as well, so that's fair enough. But then there's these kind of bubbles, I guess people are calling them, or energy that's kind of flowing up. And you've got this big crater, right, which is a, looks like a combination of the both dragons' destruction and their energy seemingly going up into the air. And if you look up into the air as well, you can see it kind of floating in a direction. Uh, and people are, you know, obviously wondering what this is about. And they're thinking about, you know their energy flowing, floating off into camphor or going somewhere. Um, and this is the thing, like, you know, is it? I mean, we assume that they're dead, like everyone's saying they're killed, they're gone, you know, but their energy is still around. Maybe this is something that's going to come up in the end of dragons. Maybe they come back. You never know. I mean, obviously, that's, you know, the other end of the scale. We don't know. Um, and but maybe we do know. I mean, that's another thing to bring up, like, what did you all think about this? Is it something you were aware of? Um, and yeah, is it is it exciting to kind of think about, you know, there is a link here because, you know, it's the end of Dragons. I mean, it kind of, maybe this whole, this whole thing, maybe it'd be funny to look back on this because I'm still wondering about what's going to happen. Obviously, we're wondering about what's going to happen in the expansion, but part of me feels like this isn't the end of them. And that is kind of exciting. So I, I'm just wondering about what you guys think. Like, am I just talk, totally talking crap here? As like, you know, chat as well. Let me know your thoughts. But yeah, what do you think about the bubbles, the energy um, going up into the air? And like, what did you think when you saw that first of all? Anyone can pop in. I don't. I, don't mind. I think the best reaction I saw that was Lorenity's. 
I think yes. the best reaction. They for were here sure. as well in my chat when I was playing it. <laughs> they are yes. actually talking about it. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, it's sort of foreshadowing this thing we already know, but at the same time, we don't. We still don't understand what the imbalance in the world when a dragon dies, what truly happens. And again, Arene seems to be reflecting. She even says, I wasn't able to take in all the magic and some of it went out into the world. So we know when these dragons are taking in magic that isn't in tune with them, whether it's their own kind of magic like ice and fire, that the dragons sort of start to lose it a bit. This magic is sort of chaos to them. And Kalkatoric is the prime example. So as Mordramoth started taking more Zaitan's energy and things, we got to see that Mordramoth started experimenting on other races and started to pull in new creatures and death stuff started to appear. And then we, as we went into season three, which is my favorite season because it tells us so much about Tyria, like just how messed up of a world it is, is that the fact... And season two, our character goes through a lot of crap. And in season three, we start to learn why. Why this stuff is starting to snowball. And it's because, well, big giant forces of nature have come awake. And these energies have been put out in the world. And they want it back. So I think the dragons themselves are the imbalance. And my question always has been, why didn't Jormag and Primordius already kill each other? Why did they not try to topple each other one way? Or did they try, absorb too much magic, and just fell asleep? And we're the catalyst to finally pushing them together, because now they have all this excess magic. And the thing is, when we finally meet Aurene, like that story arc, dragons are dying left and right. Like, she is the reason why the Elder Dragons are dying. Jormag and Primordius die because of Arene. So when we get into the meta, there's these two prisms that come down. She's severing the ley line energy away from them to cause them to want to go together. That's the story. And But she doesn't even understand where does the magic go, right? She understands corruption. She understands how to get rid of the corruption. She understands ley lines. Um... But she's young. She doesn't understand, well, why, why would they want to fight each other? Why wouldn't you just stay in your corners, stay away from each other, and live forever and create these huge armies? Why, why did Primordius have to travel three-quarters the way across Tyria just to fight Jormag and try to win? What was the difference now? We don't have those answers. And that's what's so great. So seeing these bubbles go up in the air is Anet saying, the expansion's going to explain this to you. The story will be explained to you. We just haven't found the mother of all dragons, right? The, the Game of Thrones moment where she's like, I have dragons, right? And just explodes the army type of thing. We're getting to that point. We're getting to the point where we're hitting a climax of what these creatures actually are. And what if they're just not even dragons in the first place? It's Tyria itself. And this is how Tyria works. And we decided to go in there and do what, humans do even in reality destroy the world we like to just take things that we shouldn't have build them up and let's let things happen and over time bad things begin to happen and then that's what that what i'm getting way ahead here i'm so sorry but that's what makes me think that the gods are more involved than we think they are because throughout all of this they they just left right when the dragons all started waking up they're like we're out have nothing to do with this, but I think they do. I think we're going to see more about the gods coming up and what Orin is to them and all that kind of stuff. 
only because the moment we met Aurene, we have seen the beginning of the end of these things. She, every moment, was training us into the champion for her. Just like Mordremoth took Traherne to take over his place should he die. So every dragon has champions. Now seeing Jormag and Primordius die, but their champions not die with them, the question will be, is that energy living on? Did they not die because that's not how energy works in Tyria type of thing? And I can't really explain that, but every dragon has had a champion, as far as I know, except for Zaitan, the youngest one, the smallest one, the one that seemed to not be getting their stuff together as fast as everyone else, because or itself was where the humans were. And so the question is, where was Zaitan? In a raw, but where was all the undead? Has this always been a thing? And there's just so much story stuff with the dragons oh, that this. We need a dragon podcast. <laughs> that's, the, that's the problem here. We need a dragon yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's the thing. They're, they're forces of nature, I think. And going into the end of dragons, I think that's... That's just it. They're not like the gods or the spirits. There isn't something that just manifests. They're just entities that take on forms for that time. And what we've seen is that even Jormag is like, I don't want to be this anymore. Because when you first start talking to Jormag and hearing the whispers, Jormag is like, I don't want to be locked in this. I want to become more like Oreen. I want to be something new. And that's just it. That, that exposition right there tells you so much that Oreen isn't an elder dragon. Oreen is something new, something the world has never seen. But we helped create that, and it helped create our character. Our character is connected. Our character is important. And we see it in the meta battle the entire time. And I don't think people realize it. Arena is talking to you the entire time, asking not to tell you what to do, but asking for help. Help me figure this out. Right? And we get to the ending of that battle, and when she finally severs it, she can't do it alone. She needs us. She needs she needs the people of Tyria to help her. So therefore, she can't possibly be an elder dragon because she's not going to die at our hands. And the other dragons had no interest in killing her after Calcatoric. Calcatoric was more like, this is my brood and I want to eat you because you're going to cause me problems. That was it. Mordremoth even knew that Irene was there, but wasn't exactly trying to get rid of Irene. It was Mordremoth was trying to take the egg of Irene. Because corrupt that dragon, and I got a dragon, right? There's so much story here. It's ridiculous just how Anet just sort of sneaks it in there and sprinkles on a little bit of this and says, oh, pretty dragon. But she's not. She is a destructive force herself. She can sever ley lines. Get out of here. Like, that's huge. Well, I definitely think that that's one of the big things. There's been a lot of discussion about, especially with this, you know, arc here with Icebird Saga. Why was Orin so disconnected from it? I think there's a lot of reasons the, like, most fundamental just being that we had an entire season about her previously so like letting other characters and things have their moment i think is important but i do think there's a lot of stuff that they've set up particularly with her right we get some discussions with jormag about you don't even know what you're capable of what else can crystals do they can reflect they can refract they can all these different things which i think are going to be really crucial i was a little surprised that we didn't see the payoff of that in this i thought there was going to be something where when we had this final confrontation, rather than her severing ley lines, she was like, I will reflect the energies like back into the world or something, right? 
Um, so I don't think, Jeb, to go back to what you were sort of saying, I don't think that like reading into that trail of energy is a bad thing. I mean, I have really, I have big hopes and I truly do hope that a lot of these things that are still breadcrumbs like Orreen, what she is, what her powers are, are they really gone? And yes, I think it's important to ask, you know, why was Bram, like we, why was Bram and Ryland still alive? I mean, there has to be something there where yes, they get separated from the energy. We know that when Orreen dies, Kaith as well still lives, even though her, you know, blooms fade. So that connection is something that I hope we do see as momentum because I was over here with the whole champions thing, like either the dragons die and there's all stuff happens and we kill the bad guys or dragon riders. How, what about if we were friends with the dragons and then the champions created like a new council where we could commune with the energies of Tyria. And that was just a thing. And we had like dragon riders at a dragon council, because again, refer to me being a huge dragon nerd previously. <laughs> but, but I don't think we've seen the full payoff of exactly what it means to be a champion, especially with our relationship to Orreen. But that's something that was definitely focused and discussed what all of those energies do, how they negotiate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like just killing these two again, it's one of those things where it's like, we know this is a huge problem that could lead to absolute destruction in this world. So what is the game plan? Why are we doing this again? It's like, we're killing one evil now to deal with something, you know, that may be even worse down the road. So all of that to say, I think these are things that definitely could be used in the new expansion to bring a culmination to this discussion. We got a lot of good lore, a lot of good things that maybe didn't get payoff here, but I'm hoping will in the X-Pack. However, the final episode alone, do I think that it left me with a sense of like, this is the momentum and these are the issues that are leading into the expansion? Not necessarily. Like the actual content itself, even if there'd been a little something at the end where Orreen, like, you know, we get an actual cutscene with Orreen or something and she's musing over the things that are still open threads, that would have still felt like a little bit of a push. So I don't know if I think this episode alone, the finale alone, is a really good kind of momentum into the expansion. But I do think there's a lot to work with, if that makes sense. Yeah, the only real tears that we got were like, the magic heading towards south towards cantha and like the green energy in the sky and and all that st stuff very on brand with the color scheme that they've been going with with the the concept art and the trailers and all the artwork so i yeah i think it was mostly just it, it has been strange because this season i mean i guess season four ended with an epilogue and it didn't really have like any lead into anything else because it was just orin off in the sunset so i guess like but typically, we would have something more pressing, especially when it's leading into a direct expansion, where it's like you get some concept of what is going to be happening or like what you have to tackle. So it is a little, a little different, at least. I think the other thing with the Iceberg Saga that I realized the connection between the beginning and the end. Uh, so like at the beginning, you remember when you fight the giant devourer? and you have to chain it up and it dies and Irene flies over, over it and turns it into a prism and all that energy is coming off of it. You guys remember that? Same thing, yeah. right? But mm -hmm. it's just the other dragons and the energy coming out. It's so weird. See, Anet's weird with their story because they always do these like callbacks to things. And when, you, when you're watching like 
a YouTube video of another content creator and they're talking about the story and then you click on the next one and they're talking about a different part. Then you go, hold on, wait a second here. That's the same thing as this over here. But then you realize it has always been the same thing. It, like, so like this, this energy, we may be reading into it too much, but at the same time, maybe we haven't been reading into it enough this entire time to this point. Because Zaitan, Zaitan didn't die in a glory of explosion and stuff like that. And we've also seen that the minions are still alive. So is that does that mean the energy just sort of spread out? And we didn't we didn't get these like nice little looking bubbles or does it mean does it depend on the dragon that's doing the effort and how they get the energy back so i again if you don't know what i'm talking about there either do i because anet hasn't explained it enough for us to be like ah yes when jormag needs energy we see it in crystallized form of ice magic and thing and it doesn't matter what the magic is that's how it's going to look or Maybe it is bubbles going towards bubble dragon, water doom dragon. But at the same time, Calcatork talking about how they were sort of born and stuff. See, there's just so many little little pieces to these dragons. And when we get into that meta and we finally see what happens when two elder dragons clash together. But what what would have happened if Mordramoth did go after Primordius or Jormag while they're sleeping? Why didn't that happen type of thing? And what would have happened? Because that was a choice. They could have been like, hold on, if that dragon dies and I can get their magic, I can kill that dragon. But they didn't. There seemed to be an order to things still. And Kalkatoric was just like, I'm going to eat everything that's available and just take what's there before the other dragons wake up and ended up losing it. And... I, I don't see, and this is what it is. I talk about the standard and how it's just good, but it's fantastic when you look over the over arc of it because Anet tells us the story without telling us the story every time. They always have these foreshadowing events that lead up. Like Balthazar, you as as long as you were paying attention before Balthazar appeared in front of you, you knew it was Balthazar. You realized, wait, fire and brimstone and and these are God things that we're talking about. Duh. And Anat just sits there and laughs. They just hold their stomach and they're like, ha ha ha. How could you not understand that for the last three episodes or whatever? And the thing is, they've been doing that with the dragons, I think, since day one. And then they do callbacks. So when we went back and saw that the Risen were unchained, that means the dragon's magic affected something, but it's not dead. It's not gone. So Jormag's, the Svanir aren't gone, but what does that mean? Can the dragons come back? Is there a way to take the energy from these things and bring it over here? I don't know. But seeing the bubbles just keeps making me think like maybe, maybe there's a lot more to this that we can't, we can't possibly understand until we get the expansion and there's the payoff that's going to lead to somebody else already understands all of this, right? The perfect villain is the one that's ahead of you. That's been there all along going, these things are happening. Aha, but you're not ready for what I'm about to bring you type of thing. And that, that was actually Jormag at the beginning of the season. You're not ready for what I can do to the people around you type of thing. And then Bram, so Ryland and Bram are actually the mirror of each other. So it's so interesting to see Ryland trying to form his own path away from what he's been told, while Bram is trying to accept the path 
that he's been told, right? You got prophecy versus someone who believes they're not, they're going to be cast aside in the first, first whatever. So with these things, like is Jormag and Primordia's story, was it meant to be more, but they gave it to us this way because it still yes. has the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, I do think that since it fell flat, we didn't get a little more of leading into something. And so that's why it sort of just cut off. And then I think on July 27th, when they talk about the expansion, we're finally going to see, oh, there's a, this is where the ball has been rolling. It, has, it wasn't in the Ice Brood Saga alone. It's always been there. Because when you go back and watch the expansion trailer, they can't give away the story. But if you go back and watch it now, has the meaning changed? Yes. I think because... so. I was actually thinking about the line, like, they build this land on the very thing that sought to end theirs or something. Exactly. And it's, it's where is that energy going? Is the energy actually transforming Kantha? Who's mommy? Where's the mommy? Who's mother? <laughs> All that stuff. Yeah. So it's like... Where are these key characters that could better explain these these very, very large narrative questions? And it probably will be answered in Kantha. So I think that particular line where they they literally built this land off things that sought to kill them, maybe maybe the deep sea dragon or some other master of the energy interior uh, are dwelling in Kantha. So it's all very exciting. <laughs> yeah, nice. definitely. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, and I mean, I do think there were some really strong narrative parallels, like you're pointing out with Bram and Ryland and a lot of different things. So, I mean, I am hoping that it does contribute and that this isn't like just the end of these two, right? I hope it really does play into what's going to happen so that we see this maybe in the future as less of a finale and more of one big long prologue to what was going to happen in this expansion which i think would also make it just feel a little bit better in the overall flow if there's like a good return um plus it's interesting that jormag and primordis have this complementary energy so the two of them taking each other out and then that being something where like maybe these two although they are opposing they are also twins right like that has something where you know they had to be together locked together in that moment for Orin to do something with that energy in a way that wouldn't be destructive which could be really interesting like they always seemed like two incomplete halves of a whole which i think is partly why as it got pointed out earlier jormag lamenting this state like i don't want to be like this i don't want to be tethered to this you know other entity anymore merging them and doing something with that i think would be a far more interesting option and give a lot of this, you know, final moment, I think, a lot of sense. Sorry, it's so loud here. I'm glad you lot have been talking so much. Because <laughs> there's just drilling and this has been going on since I've ever been here. It's really just... Um, yes, all the things. And I might have to ask another question so that opens up a lot more stuff. Um, but I'm going to put your music up a little bit so you can't hear the massive loud noises that are stopping me from living my life uh, <laughs> uh, it's building right there's nothing it's nothing it's not there for <laughs> okay um <laughs> so uh, obviously i talk about one thing the bubbles and it opens up a lot of a lot of things so generally <laughs> summary of that is there are a lot of questions unanswered there is by also op brings up imagination of what could be what could happen and i think that's good 
um and and you know that brings excitement for me because as you're talking i'm starting to think about plot lines i'm starting to think about a new story i'm starting to think about you know zaitan and wanting to send zaitan next door to kill everyone um and <laughs> and i will become an elder dragon in about 10 minutes um and um you know even end of dragons you never know you're talking about energy you're talking about all these things still existing in the world they exist in terms of being spirits still whatever in the world i don't know and the dragons maybe we see all these champions coming back from like past dragons that we didn't even know about maybe we see all their energies combined into one thing maybe we, you know i mean who bloody knows you know imagine like you start end of dragons and there's all these big spirits of like zaitan and krakatoric oh, and stuff captain planet but captain dragon planet where you have all the like the okay. cartoon where they're all like the champions who are now channeling that energy of the of the earth and the power of it i mean Tyria in this metaphor. I can see it. Mm -hmm. I can see it. If anyone in chat or here is familiar with the anime Naruto, in that world, there are also like giant beast creatures, the Jinshuriki and the tailed beasts. But basically there's like, there's like this outer plane place where they all meet up and they talk and there's like a master of them all. So I kind of feel like that's kind of happening with this storyline too. Maybe the dragons are in some way still around, at least in the mists or their energy has just been transferred. And then I think the mother character will probably be. I just want to know who's mommy. Can I get some milky mommy? I'm hungry. No, no, nope, 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 mommy. Nope, no, 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 nope. And and we're done, crew. <laughs> Calm down. Okay. So no, I'm kidding. I mean, go. I am really curious about the mother figure and Kunabang. because we know Kunavang plays a role in this as a facilitator in some sort of way because of the trailer. So, like, Kunavang's also an interesting connection here as another dragon that we've seen in the series that is not hostile, but who has been around for far longer than Orin and may be able to provide some thoughts or guidance on this, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry, that was Definitely. a really loud bit that night. <laughs> you just wouldn't have been able to hear anything. Jesus Christ, what are they <laughs> flipping doing? They're rebuilding the entire thing. Apparently. Well, there's like work in like 40 of the apartments here and it's been, but like, no, no. Of course, the work is going on this way, this way and upstairs. So it's like, it's just, it's annoying as fuck. Especially during a podcast. And I swore. Two engines. All right. Um, I, so I, my speaking might be a little bit less until that kind of dies down a bit. I will try and talk to my mic closer. So try and get this there's no filter that will get rid of that loud piercing noise because it's actually louder than i am so there's nothing i can do about it um apologies if you're listening to this online um also let's talk about the actual let's get onto the actual gameplay um story is important but you know eventually you have to play the thing uh, and that's the important stuff <laughs> okay so the the actual whole thing was about you know 40 minutes to an hour depending on how long you took um you play through you get into it it's an instance basically there's a little bit of preamble and then you get into an instance how did people feel about that and also did you enjoy the actual instance itself as well uh rook you go first i actually liked it i thought it was super fun I thought it was really cool. I thought the visuals were gorgeous. Like, I'm just going to be real. I've seen so many people uh, give feedback that they felt like the scale of the dragons was a bummer and that they didn't like that it was just their heads. Uh, 
I I kind of have mixed feelings about that in the sense that I mean, I think we've like there are so many games where you see this be a hurdle, right? Other than Shadow of the Colossus, a single player <laughs> game in which the mechanics are specifically designed to negotiate around massive scale enemies, you just cannot realize that in a in an MMO currently. You can't. Would it be amazing if at some point you could? Yes. Is it possible now, especially when you have a ton of people, a party, you have something like this, which is essentially almost like a meta or a world boss? No, <laughs> it's just you can't. Everything would grind to a halt. Everything would be like, it's just not something that like Guild Wars 2 is built for. It's not something that a lot of MMOs are built for. So to me, I didn't feel any lack of satisfaction at the scale. I thought it was incredibly cool that we got to see even just the scale of their faces. And that part where you ride the current in front of them, I thought was a really clever way to even reinforce that scale, right? But in a more contained moment where you ride up and you blast them, but you get a sense of how small you are compared to them when so much of the rest of the action is happening in the center ground, right? With those two champions. So I liked that. I also thought it was fun seeing how they kind of played in on either side. I liked the color difference. I liked the different mechanics um, that we've seen even be reinforced, like the different enemy types all at play on the field simultaneously. I thought all of that was really cool. Um, I mean, I'm glad they gave us a moment to have, you know, Orin's champion shenanigans. I would have loved it, I think, even more in the story mode if there had been something where as you go in, Orin is like, you know, here's more of my power and there was some kind of optional little, like, skill set you could flip into where you too could actually, like, really channel her power as a champion. Just from a role-playing standpoint in my heart as Orin's champion, I get to see them do cool stuff with, like, their dragon's power. I wanted to do it, too. So that's maybe my only, like, complaint. So to me, I didn't really mind the scale. I thought it was visually beautiful. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a great instance. It was unique. It felt memorable to me. Outside of all the story stuff, I loved that. And I think the dragon's designs are visually gorgeous. Like, I love the differences and how they've been artistically realized. So I loved it. I thought it was really fun overall, personally. I like their models too. The only thing about their models that I didn't like was actually on Jormag. Jormag's arms are completely detached from the body. So it's just the hands. You could see it in one of the screenshots too. So it looked a little weird. It would have been nice to have that cohesiveness. But I, I agree that like ultimately, as much as we would have liked to have seen the original Primordis that we first saw in season three, that Primordis was just so astronomically large that it would be very difficult to actually like have a fight around that or even have like a map around that, especially if you're doing a, a Dormag versus Primordis. I liked the fight a lot. It was, it's not too long, not too short, but I think my only issue is that I would have preferred this to have been in like an open world map that you specifically go to. I think because you have to access it through the eye of the north, it adds just a little bit of awkwardness. And I don't know if it will necessarily be one of the most replayed things coming uh, in Guild Wars 2. I know Heart of Thorns, Dragon's Den definitely sees a lot of replayability just because the whole entire map is designed to be so incredibly incredibly fun, at least from my perspective. Uh, Dragonfall is also a really good map too. Uh, and I think those are like the only two maps where we really get like a dragon fight. So I think 
the maps that we've gotten so far have been really high quality. And I would have liked to have seen another one, particularly if we're fighting both Jormag and Primordis. Um, but the whole entire fight was really cool. I liked the different sequencing, fighting Ryland and uh, Bram. It was nice, was nice. CC, crowd control. It's always wonderful seeing many different areas of Guild Wars 2 combat come together. Uh, there were boons on them, so if you have a boon strip build, it would be somewhat useful and all that stuff. And it was it, even the the actual attacks had such a large radius that it somewhat incentivized like movement skills, like either a blink or mm -hmm. like a thief shortbow mm -hmm. get out of it. Um, and I would love to, to see more out, of that, right? Like because yeah, those big CC. attacks, yeah. So you had to CC or just escape because um, there's a big AOE that uh, Ryland does. We kind of sits up with a sword and there's just AOEs everywhere. Like if you go and do the big public yeah. run. And it's like that's gonna wreck all of you, but more often than not, I guess CC'd out. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, that was really good. So it was one of the uh, more recent times I've seen that, and I kind of hope that they at least roll with that. Maybe in like more structured content where it would be okay to take a portal or a blink or like a sand squall. Some of these like movement abilities, or like I know Thief has another preparation where it's a, a portal. So. Mm -hmm. I would love to see more of that integrated in, into combat, and I liked seeing it here. Yeah. Zarek. Okay. So I talked about how much I enjoyed this. Uh -oh. I did like the instance. I did like it. But it would have been so much cooler if it was like a, drizzle, a small Drizzlewood map where you moved both sides towards each other simultaneously. You had a two sides, used Arene's powers to sever the ley lines, get Jormag, and just slowly squish the map until the champions were like, okay, we have to fight, right? It just, it would have been so much cooler, but with what we got, I like the mechanics. I like uh, jumping down and throw down a table and be like, yo, make sure you get your CC bar breaks. You know, I... I liked the story instance for sure because my character's running a moderately good build, so I didn't run into any issues with that. Um, CC problems at certain parts, my character is a necro, so we're limited in stability, things like that. But in the in the open world one, it's just like a giant army coming down, and it mm. like even with the NPCs in the story, you can see like you know this is a fight, and you also sort of lose it in the story too because you're so focused on the one targets but it makes sense to get narrow-sided because that's the whole point so they do a good job of the storytelling in that in the sense of what you're trying to do and then in the open world one i think it's a lot of fun just everybody's doing their thing trying to get their achievements uh so much stuff is happening from one side so when you're on jormag's side it, you literally get tunnel visioned into this this ice effect when you're on primordis's side fire everywhere uh it's really well done the mm -hmm. the npcs can't get too far off track they'll jump back to make sure they're centered in their lane and things like that so anet's thought of that stuff um there weren't really bugs i didn't see any bugs there's one major one that if you break the bar yeah. too fast that one can affect you but other than that like it was just smooth running um, i had another one where like when you get teleported to shoot the laser you would sometimes continue to fly and if you fly too far, you get out of bounds and you start dying. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had that happen like five times. I, I still, I don't think it's been fixed. It's know. a server desync. It's a server desync. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy was talking about that where he, he flew up in the air and he just kept going. 
He just kept going up in yeah. the air and then it just dropped him. He couldn't do anything. And his character just hit the ground, took like a million damage. And he was like, wow, Primordis is overpowered. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But other than that, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty smooth fight. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's a neat it's a neat instance, right? I think it does something that is distinctive and feels unique and has, you know, interesting visuals. I I'll actually Jeb, are you gonna ask the question at the end that you have marked down about like do we think this measures up to the other dragons? Or did we kind of end up switching oh. that into current discussion? Does <laughs> it did it what sorry? I was asking if you think you're going to actually like ask a separate question at the end about whether or not we think that this lives up to like the Krakatoric and Mordremoth fight. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, oh, no, we can talk about that now. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mechanics and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only because I was just going to say that like I, I personally love the scale of a lot of the fights with Krakatoric which is like a multi multi-part thing, right? Like you have those story instance ones where you're actually like fighting his face and you're flying over him and then you're in that like flying instance, which always bugs for me so that I like, I just look like I'm weirdly T-posing or like Orin is super weirdly T-posing as she just like zooms through the air. Uh, <laughs> every time, every time. And it's the one time I get to really live my dragon rider dream. And every time she's T-posed so horribly. Um, it's okay. It's still worth it. I still love it. but. Uh, like versus that versus uh dragon fall the map which is a case in which they did try to give a massive scale of an enemy but again and the culmination of that are you like actually like underneath him and he's flying over you and you're trying to like line up cannons to hit him in a spot and then there's blood everywhere and you're trying to run away no like, you know like you're running up to little warts and you're hitting them real good <laughs> like, and that's kind of what that is right so like the scale is cool but again does it give you like a huge interactive immersive experience no so the closest one for that to me is mouth of mordramoth which is um I I love Dragon Stand. It's one of my favorite pieces of content in the entire game. I think it's one of the most phenomenal experiences I've ever had in an MMO. Is it also super mega laggy a lot of times? Are you also standing there and you're like, I can't see anything on my screen. Um, yeah, but like, it's worth it because it's so cool. And I love the scale of it. But do I think that every single fight needs to be that? No. And so for me, it's like, this one feels different. I don't know if that's bad, though. I think it's just a different experience. I do agree with what, like, Zorik and Kruf, what you're both saying. I think it could be really fun if they had done something like a smaller scale map where you have this push and you have this thing. I really, I love the meta, so that would have been really satisfying to me. But do I think that it's wrong for them to experiment with some kind of new format, something that's more instanceable, something that allows people to kind of hop in and target more accurately what they want to do at any given moment? And that presents this kind of story with the champions and ourself and the dragons. No, I think this was a logical way to tackle it and to say, how do we have multiple creatures in one space and still create content that people can run? So it's just different. But I don't know if I would say that it's like bad or they didn't do what they were supposed to or they, you know, I find this more interesting to me sometimes than even that culmination of Dragonfall in particular, where it's like, okay, you kid a champion, poked a warts, did it. Like, I feel good. I nailed it. Like, and I like Dragonfall, but this just is a different experience. I don't know if you, I would say it's better or worse. I just think it's a different way to tackle how you create content. I think Dragonfall as well, what made Kalkatoric able to be a map in the first place is that he grew three times bigger than he was or something like that, uh, absorbing all the magic from the mist and stuff. 
So story-wise, it made a little more sense. I, I mean, would that land and stuff actually pin him down? Yeah, we could argue. But like story-wise, <laughs> it made a little more sense. While Jormag and Primordia, Primordis didn't seem to be doing the same thing. They weren't awake long enough and didn't absorb enough magic because it was just fire and ice for the most part. And then, like, why didn't they come further out into the battlefield? Well, story-wise, they're trying to stay away from each other because they're going to blow each other up. And our whole point of being there was to get them to come together. But mechanics-wise, I did, I did, I feel the same way, but I, I don't know. That, that old veteran part of me just wants, you know, when we killed Zaitan, it was very, it was just boring, right? You're just pressing the button until the cannon did its job. Um, but when you got to Mordremont, there was two sides happening. There was the battle in the mind that you had in the instance, and then you had the big outside fight. I, and I feel like this time it was just meant to be an outside fight like Calcatoric, but it just it just didn't feel the same. Um, felt like just like a world boss to me. And I, and I think that was a little more disappointing when, when you look at the overall arc of it. But it's a good instance. It is different. There are mechanics that you have to do, which I always ask for. And ain't it? It's like, no, combat is fun for 15 minutes straight. No, break it up. You know, give us something else to do here. Even if it is hitting the F key at a certain point, it's important to to have us doing more than just sitting there just spamming our attacks. And it does all that. So that's why I really enjoyed it. But man, that that old vet part of me sees that potential and what it could have been, and just find like that cutscene. Even if it was something bigger, and when you get that cutscene and see them do that, I think the disappointment would have been a lot less for a lot of people because there would have been this buildup for them finally saying, "Okay, there's no ley line energy. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you because that's the only choice I have here." Um, but I don't know. It's still fine. I think it uses mechanics well well and and things like that. It's just just it's always going to be in the back of my mind of could they could they have given us more and then had something else in the story instance to to push to that point or whatever they had been doing in previous previous little chunks but i think it just also feels kind of disconnected because you're going to the eye of the north to get on a charcopter it's <laughs> it's not like you're like and you're, you're, you're just there so i the delivery of how we got there could have been a little bit better but I guess like it's always it's super luxurious to have technology to do that, similar to like a Sora portals. And you're like, oh, you're in the Ring of Fire, like you're in Ember Bay. It's like, oh, you're you're here now. So it definitely moves it along, but it does feel weird, particularly when it's two Elder Dragons and you're like, OK. <laughs> yeah, I do agree that that's something that I think they tried to like centralize that quest hub which makes sense because you know as they said they weren't going to be releasing a new map with every single episode which i think was a good move overall and i actually did like like two-parter maps and seeing how they came together and how all the metas worked and like the light puzzles that bridge one like one side to the other i thought that was all really neat but it did feel yeah like you get to this point especially during these chapters at the end like i wish there had been maybe yeah like a map or something for i don't know it's hard to explain because that's really where i felt i think the shortness of content the most that was one of the few times that during the whole thing i had a moment where we'd finish you know a chapter and i was like oh that oh that was it <laughs> like <laughs> I, don't, I don't normally get that like even if it's a shorter kind of installment usually i'm like 
okay, that was fine. We made it through in one stream. But it was actually kind of strange to me with these chapters as I got through them. And I was like, wait, oh, oh, hey, oh, what? Yeah. Like, and I really was, <laughs> I was kind of confused, which I think also maybe has contributed to this, right? So yes, like, I think that they did what they needed to do for the structure where it was like, how can we still do what we do, which is active, immersive combat in the moment storytelling, which is really the backbone of a lot of Guild Wars 2. But how do we do that if we don't have like a whole new set piece, whole new map? Like, we can't really, I mean, I guess we could maybe have an instance version of one of the other maps that you could access if you, but it's like in that one, it's on fire because Primordius is there. Like, they could have done something like that where they took, you know, like Biora, and then there's like a version of it where Primordius has smashed half of it or something, and then they fight there, you know. But it felt like this was an answer to just like, how do we create this kind of story without just making new maps endlessly for all time? And I agree that it was like, it's good on one hand, but on the other hand, it does make you feel a little bit less connected to the world, to the to the larger scale battles, to, you know, it, it did feel to me like, you know, it's just this weird dream that I had. And then I came back to Eye of the North. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, it's not to say they didn't do cool stuff. A few of the different, you know, dragon response missions and things I think were really neat. And I liked seeing some of the extra lore that they'd hidden there about some of the conflicts and things. I thought that was cool. but. It did feel a little disconnected overall, I think. Okay, I'm going to ask Christian. Uh, again, it's really loud here, so I'm, I'm not talking oh. much. So I, I'm really upset about this because I was really excited about this podcast, but there's just no point in my talking because you won't hear me. Um, so I'm going to ask Christian. You will Christian be the ringmaster. I'll, I'll talk about it later. <laughs> it's okay. I feel sad. I was really excited for this. Um, so question. Uh, DR, so in in one way like this instance is like the the finale to the drms basically so you've got all the drms uh replayability and then you've got this which is replayable as well and you can get two gold once a day as well as the other rewards uh, which is quite nice um do you all think that drms are the future of telling stories maybe for guild wars 2 how do you feel about drms and uh do you like the replayability and rewards that are available from drms and that last instance as well with the tokens and being able to spend them on things like the dwarf infusion okay uh first person zorik uh drms are horrible they are nasty pieces of content i have no idea if anat's ever going to do them again but if they do I don't want to play them. And I'm going to say it this way. Every DRM takes you a certain amount of time, no matter how good you are, you're going to have to sit and wait and listen to these NPCs just talk and take their time walking down the trail for you to finally just get to a strike mission boss, but, you know, washed out. And they are just, they're just not balanced. They're just, they're just all over the place. I get what they were meant to do. I respect them as content, but man, it just, for me, it was like, just, I'd rather nail, nail a nail into my hand than just play them for a hundred hours, trying to get all these achievements and rewards. I was just, I was just, it was just at a point when you got the last group of them that get my mastery, get it for the story and never go back. Because what's the point of having, you know, things already in place like the strike missions and stuff if we're not going to utilize that even in story? And why can't we just have the story instances give us the composition? Are you okay, Kroof? I think 
Red Valen. Sick burning. Red Valen's comment. Zork is slumped and he failed on normal mode. <laughs> Zork, I'm so sorry. I don't, been... I, don't, I don't think I ever failed on normal mode, but you know what? In challenge mode, of course, 100%. Oh, I know what you're talking about. If you are actually referring to something, and okay. Um. Anyhow, if someone link a clip in chat, I'd be appreciated. No, there are no clips. <laughs> no. There are no clips. There was a uh, been Zorik, if it makes me feel from the internet, I get distracted and laugh all the time on stream and die to even the most basic things in video games. It's my it's my go to, even though on my own time I raid, but on stream time. <laughs> You're streaming and you, and you got a chat to talk to. You, you got to <laughs> think about. You, you, there's different streamers, okay? There's a streamer yeah. that focuses on the game and the chat at the same time, and they miss a lot, and they don't really care about rotations or what's going on. And then you got the super hardcore people who are just like focused and they're just pe speaking permanently, but they're just really, really focused <laughs> on the game. They're barely looking at chat. And then you got people who just literally focus on the gameplay and don't even speak. So it's like you kind of have to juggle that it's a bit difficult but it's kind of more funny when you died to basic stuff i learned that a long time ago <laughs> do, does anyone here like the caladon forest drm i think that Which one, one for that? me it was like you, a tengu it, one? Fires. Yeah. yeah and then you get the big oh, ice I like the tengu one yeah i did not like good. caladon forest Ooh. at all that drm i i just all the way to the bridge mechanics is just horrible for me it just the Tengu that the it's character that they gave us. Mission, isn't it? Right. Just I just I love then the you character. get to the bridge and the mechanics. I don't like the boss. Mechanics the boss is a little difficult, especially on challenge mode. I know it's challenge, yeah. of course, it's like difficulty and all that stuff, but Pretty it's just somewhat stuff. weird nice. to manage. And it's just weird to manage the campfires and the campfires always going out and trying to move it, but the boss doesn't move. Campfires it's a little strong weird. Proof, okay? I won't lie. I mess with the Boy Scouts of America. I have never liked the fire. Fire not in peace and leave me alone. No. I hate the stupid bonfire mechanic. I hate it in that one fractal. Yeah. I hate it. Like it's one of those things that to me feels like a busy task that you're supposed to do as opposed to just like here's mechanics or like even in fractals, I guess it's a little bit easier or in something where it was like a very concentrated, specific team effort, right? Where like somebody has to sort of like, this is something they have to tackle. They have to tackle this or you have to move and do this. Like, that's fine with me. But I hate when it's something where you're running by yourself or like, you know, a couple people. And then it's like, well, you got to also keep the fires lit. And I'm over here like, no, like, I just hate it. It drives me crazy. Yeah. But, but I love the narrative. I yeah. love the Tengu. And I actually right. really enjoy Caladris a lot. She's so cute. <laughs> I love, uh, I love the Tiger characters. Yes, they're um, very good. I I think for me the Dragon Response missions. <laughs> I really, sorry, was was that laugh? Did you want to? Uh, did I cut off? No, mm -hmm. I was laughing because <laughs> Valen said G Gendarn Fields is pretty fun, and that's oh. my favorite DRM out of all of them. Hey. <laughs> um, I don't like that. I feel like DRM. No, you're fine. I mean, that's fair. Everybody's entitled to different reactions. Yeah. Um, I think that the DRMs are promising. I don't think that they are at what they could fully be. Like the first set that was released for me, it was a little lackluster. I, you know, I liked that they were trying to show that there were effects happening around the world that you can't always, you know, render on a map. You know, that already has a ton of other things that are happening on it. So to me, I thought that was a success. The actual bosses on that first set, I was like. There's like not even mechanics and like so it's cool that they had the names of, you know, various, you know, 
leaders and and cre like creatures that have been under his command that had destroyed important places and like i thought that was a cool little touch but i don't think it was until the later drms that i really started to get excited um i love that one that's in the dwarven forge i love the one that is the uh owl the owl's temple mm -hmm. that had you know been destroyed mm -hmm. i i like those and i think that they are something that like is moving towards more of you know maybe something closer to like an instanced mini dungeon or something like that mm. in a sense we mm -hmm. have like fractals you know which you have to go into that are separate and have mm. to do with the myth but to have something that's actually closer to like a little bit of like a an instance dungeon that's relative to like related to our story related to our world related to our struggle i think the drms have a lot of potential in that regard do i think that they're like perfected at this point no i i do think there's still a lot more that could be done with them i thought some of them were kind of lackluster i think some of them were a little finicky and weird i think you know it's one of those things so it's like i don't think it's a bad idea or a bad addition um much like strike missions again i feel like that's another really good solid mm. idea it's just getting it refined getting it to the point where it really does kind of function in a way that it needs to and that's exciting and interesting to players mm -hmm. like I'm that's the thing to me. what's the purpose of it what is the meaning behind this content what is this future gonna mean like that's it like strikes as well you bring up a good conversation which we had last week go and watch and listen to episode 12 for sure it was a good one <laughs> um it's it's about, I was on it. <laughs> it was. It what part of it was? Yeah. Like, what's the purpose of this? Like, why are we? Why do we keep? We keep having these different new things, which feel like they're repeatable content. But if everyone's repeating content all over the shop, like, where where are we going? What's the focus? What's the end game? Well, the end game is what you want it to be. At the end of the day, which is what I think they are trying to do. But I think in, at the same time, you know, it, it's funny because um, DRMs, I, I really disliked them when I was playing through them. I've been farming for this dwarf in, infusion. I'm actually enjoying them because I'm playing tons of different classes. I'm playing, um, it, it is getting a bit repetitive now, um, but I want to do them on the challenge modes as well for the, for the achievements because the achievements, you, you can unlock different some items and stuff like that. You know, there's the masteries and stuff um and there's actually quite a lot of rewards there's actually quite a lot of skins there's quite a lot of loot you can get there's quite a lot of you know just basic crafting material you can get which can help prep you toward um the expansion which is you know that's it now i mean there are videos out i mean it's like that classic video thing that we see every creator make you know is guild wars 2 worth playing in 2021 and even if you've got 100 oh followers God. on youtube you can definitely make a lot of viewership <laughs> off of one of those videos because even if you just said yes in exclamation point you would probably get a hundred thousand views um it's not a difficult video to make but because that's what people are always asking um but then you know now it's like what do you do it's like it's classic videos isn't it? like what do you do before an expansion in guild wars 2 farm for stuff get items do dailies do the things um and i think drms are a good way to for some people to do that but obviously just to get some of the rewards and one of the things we've not mentioned actually in terms of rewards is you're actually getting ascended was it is it a trinket i can't remember it's a ring or a yeah. one thing an amulet yeah and you can pick I the think. stats and it gives you an effect depending on one of the which one of the drms you do whether or not it's fire or ice whatever and you can have that on you for what 40 minutes or something like that and it looks quite cool and you get the combination of them when you come out as long as you're wearing that piece 
and you get to keep it for a bit longer which i actually thought was a nice little touch you know getting a free piece of ascended equipment isn't too bad like if you're not if you're just a casual player as well it's like a big upgrade really um so i don't know i mean i i've i've kind of i'm i'm very much on the i'm not sure about i i don't know if i want to have them going forward i don't think they're gonna be in the expansion i think this is a very very spice brooded saga thing um and if they ever think about going forward after well when depending on what they're what they're doing after the expansion they've come out on the forums and said you know it's I, th I think unfortunately the, the end of dragon's name is not the best name they could have come up with because it draws out a lot of things of there's end and dragons and dragons is the main thing in guild wars 2 the guild wars 2 logo is a dragon and uh, like you know if they end in dragons you know where where does guild wars 2 go from there and so uh they've obviously got a lot of explaining to do and, and storytelling to keep us thinking about what the hell's going to go on but you know so there's a lot of combination of words and stuff which make it difficult because this is a question i keep getting asked all the time and even in my youtube comments for some reason sometimes um yeah so that's interesting to think about but i i don't think they're going to have drms in the expansion i don't know what you you all think about that yeah i think strikes i, I think strikes are more <laughs> likely than drms yeah. to be honest mm. yeah i would agree and i would like i mean honestly people have said in chat we talked about it last Lightbringers too, but dungeons i think have been a really major talking point they could reinvent dungeons in some way to make it not necessarily as long but still kind of have maybe the same desired effect that dragon response missions had where it was more story oriented mm -hmm. while you know having some challenge and like a couple rewards here and there um but yeah strike missions i agree are probably more reasonable if they have story ties or, i don't know is this just going to be isolated to the area of story or is this just like extra content for longevity but in terms of story yeah i don't know if they're going to be necessarily continued for dragon response missions <laughs> yeah i mean i could see them using the eye of the north hub to have more instant stuff like we were talking about this kind of instant playable beat that is again not something that's necessarily like a meta event or a fractal or but that is something a little bit smaller scale that can be initiated there i i like hearing you talk about the rewards from it jeb because honestly when i was first browsing some of those i felt a little bit lackluster about the rewards um mostly just because i think i was hoping there would be some sort of like fully collectible like weapon set or armor set or that was like unique to those that would be really cool and iconic kind of like how i farm dragonfall or you know uh silver waists or those the dragon player weapons maybe there are there are some but some of them as well were like ones you could get elsewhere They're hard to get and then there was some that were really <laughs> hard to get and then there were some like there was the one that was sort of the orin-esque one right or two but they didn't do like a full set of them or like a crystal bloom kind of thing I'm trying to remember. I haven't farmed mm. them that much, in case anybody couldn't tell. There's a lot uh, of different rewards. Oh, the crystal bloom axe. No, yeah, there was a crystal well. bloom axe. Crystal like bloom axe. That's what it was. Yeah. So, like those sorts of things, I would have liked to see some sort of iconic set. But um, you know, I think it is a good way to have some kind of hub of content. You know, um, that's something that we haven't really necessarily had in Guild Wars Two. Fractals, you can go and do them. Raids, you can go and do them. But so many other games have that kind of repeatable instant content that you can go in and do every day or whatever. 
um, that we haven't seen quite the same scale of in Guild Wars 2. It, it hasn't been quite as much of a fundamental thing. So I like that they were experimenting with it this season. I thought that was probably a good move, a smart move, and it gives them ways to diversify content and repeatable content, um, especially leading into an expansion, which is when most MMOs have some kind of grind or like some kind of mm. thing that comes out as a grind just to buy time while they work on new X-Packs. Did we did we talk about all the rewards and how they're no, locked? No, it was it was uh, you can talk about it now. I mean, that was one of the things I was okay. I mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so masteries were a little bit different this time around because they actually lock out NPCs' rewards. So you have to, and we've seen some of that in the past. But until you have all the masteries, you can't even see everything that an NPC you've unlocked starts to offer something but you can't see it all until you get the next masteries even if it doesn't tell you that so by by doing the meta i've been able to get those defense sills you get like 50 of them every meta so you can just do it every day and get like 350 of them in a week and they they were so one of my guildies was like oh you see this uh that oh man the volcanic storm collar weapons is that what they're called yes like <laughs> there's so many weapons this time around but anyways so those boxes are actually in there i could not see them because i didn't have the final mastery done got it done and they were in there for 100 right. defense sills and one gold so you can and then the price of those just plummeted because you can buy them and then sell them on the trading post so i i actually finished my otter achievement by salvaging them because you can still have that option but that's a way to get that done now so it and you can only buy three boxes a week but by doing the meta every day you get enough defense sills so the rewards actually stack pretty well in that discount vendor so you don't have to grind drms alone you can just do the metas every day get the two gold and extra stuff from that too and the chance at that ascended sword um and the minis yeah there's rewards all over the place hidden in this and then it's they had those weekly vendors that were coming out and then they stacked it all into one and it's just you know you can either buy it for full price or just check out the discount vendor wink <laughs> wink wink um because you're gonna save so much time by doing it that way uh especially when they even give the infusion in there the infusion went from 750 to 600 which is again two weeks of your time doing the metas and the metas aren't long so i don't know how it's going to be in the future but the reward structure was yeah here it all is if you get the masteries done, it's all offered to you. And, mm. you know, you don't have to do the DRMs alone. You can also do that meta that people are going to keep doing because it's easy gold, easy rewards. And I, I think that was a cool way to do it because I either towards the end, ANET figured it out uh, when they released DRMs that, ooh, people don't really like these. So let's find out another way. Or you can just grind out the DRMs and then, and then buy it full price or whatever you want to do. But, that's an interesting way to structure it is by putting masteries and a lot of people hate that but i love masteries that are specific for certain maps and things like that mm -hmm. because it sort of brings something a new level to it that when you first get there you're struggling a bit then it starts to snowball so you're just comfortable i go and play the map it's a casual thing i do now versus when you're first there you're like what why can't i get all this done or what how's that person surviving this type of thing there's still that sort of vertical progression but they don't limit it to the entire game instead they limit it to that one space do you want to do this so the option is still there and they did it very well with the masteries this time i was actually 
I mean, there's a lot of things I didn't like towards the end of the Icebird Saga, but they did some really mechanically wise for reward, some exceptional things. And then, you know, of course, the 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 big problem with the weapon skins and all that is that they were so expensive and they were holding back people's metas. And it, you shouldn't have to, you know, pay eight to 10,000 gold to finish a collection to get your meta done. That shouldn't just be in there. That's how I felt. And then they changed that. So ANET was listening. So I wonder if they really did. When they got to the, the final instance, they were like, you know what? Yeah, DRM's not your favorite thing, so we're not going to punish you for that. Go play the meta, because that's our favorite thing. And you need to see that cutscene 6,000 times before you're done playing this game. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. And I've actually done that meta, meta more than I did Drakkar, or whatever his name is, in Shadow in the Ice. I hated that mm. episode. But I love the new meta. It's just easy to jump in there. You're done in less than 15 minutes sometimes, and you get all these rewards, and you jump out. And then when Monday comes around, you can be like, oh, all these boxes I don't have the skins of? Okay. Three gold? So, again, you're making 14 gold. It's just you get so much more out of it. It's a really good reward structure, but you have to have your masteries done. So that's that's the catch. And it's like you have to play the game, though. You're not just going to give it to you. You have to put the work in, and then we'll give it to you. That's actually not something I thought about, but that's a really cool point. It's not too bad. I'm I'm on like the level like like this is the first time like no lie like this is the first time I actually want to do it. Like I I have not really played the DRMs like the last week. I, this is this is the first time I've played Guild Wars two every day, even off stream, maybe for two or three years. And like it, and wow. why? Why is it? Because it, okay, the dwarf infusion is a big incentive, <laughs> but also to get all of the um, flip. <laughs> that that in the UK is not not some cool kind of like cool sign or anything like that. This is like oh, absolutely not. And like you know, please stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> knock on wood yeah um but like uh actually stop <laughs> oh well, no they didn't um but yeah i started playing again and i wanted to get the masteries because i want to go for the things i want to you know get i can't i don't it's not the cloak you can get by doing all the masteries is it? i can't remember um but there's different things you can get by doing all the masters like you say i'm not how do you feel about having to spend those tokens on unlocking each of the dragon crystals so that you can then unlock each mastery that's a little bit like cheap because it just pulls you back a little bit more from getting other rewards the reason is is because again i want the dwarf skin <laughs> and it's the same currency <laughs> so i have to keep paying for this other thing i'm like oh i've got like 750 oh no i still need to do two things what do i do do i unlock the mastery or do i get the dwarf infusion oh and i've been going for the masteries and i'm like why don't you just go for the infusion that's the thing you want but you know i'm like because i want these things but also if you look at each of the um masteries you get more rewards from the events depending on which masteries you have unlocked so that's more incentive to get more stuff done because there's an expansion as well you can get more stuff so you're like i want to get this unlocked so i can do this easy event once a day at least to get a ton of rewards and it's like i actually think it's a pretty good idea like i don't mind doing it because it's not horrible and there are tons of people in there as well, just interacting and playing this big event, which isn't a meta which goes on for an hour plus. Because I can do that. I can play for 15 minutes in my lunch break, in my break between streams, in my 
you know break from my 10 hour zoom meeting for the day for school you know it's like <laughs> and it, it's yes yesterday was a long day um but yeah i i don't know i don't know how you all feel about that but i actually kind of like it but i feel like what rook says is true as well like rewards wise i don't think there's it's not the rules aren't for everyone that's for sure um but for me they, they put confusion in there so i'm good <laughs> I'm gonna say, i think too like i actually really love hearing all of you talk about this because i think it is a great system and it's it really is something to kind of talk about and to be completely honest i've liked running the majority of content in the iceberg saga i like the metas that we got i oh my gosh i think i've run drizzlewood a billion times now because i'm working on otter the otter th infusion but i'm actually not sick of it and i do really enjoy it but I also like that alongside this huge long meta that has the two parts, we also got stuff like the dragon response missions and this, you know, sort of meta clash here at the end, because it's nice to contrast that, right? Like, do you have a ton of time and do you want to do this thing? Or do you just have a little bit of time and you want to run this other stuff? I think that's a really smart move. And I do really appreciate that. So, I mean, I, I like that they have all those different, you know, rewards. I think it would have been nice, Zork, like you were saying, maybe even to just see like in the vendors, though, like even if it wasn't there, like have it grayed out or something. And then if you hovered over it, it would say increase blah, blah, blah to mastery rank whatever, to be able to purchase or something. Because then I think people would go to those vendors and be like, oh, I can work towards this as opposed to having to like search more deeply about what how all of this goes and how it all builds. Because I like the idea that they reinforced a lot of these masteries. Um, and I even really liked a lot of the masteries from this season that were, uh, you know, I liked the, the Raven Light puzzles a lot. I thought those were really fun mm. and I enjoyed that, you know? So for me, having more where it does, you know, reward you for that mastery um, and that time investment that you spend in it, I think is really fantastic. People just need to know what all they can do with it to really understand, you know, like, ah, yeah, okay. So if I want to get my biggest bang for my buck and like, you know, do all this stuff, I should max all these things out. Um, one of the reasons why ANET doesn't do what you said and gray it out all the time is because it overwhelms players. They feel like they have so much content to work through. And so what they do is they reveal it bit by bit. I agree. I don't like that as a veteran player, but as, as they have found out when you just, when it's more of a surprise, players tend to be like, oh, I get even more stuff type of thing versus then when like, when they see it's locked, it's locked, it's locked, it's locked, it's locked. They feel like they have all this work to do type of thing. I believe that's why they do that. I don't like it because I like to see like, oh, there is more to this. But at the same time, there has been so much hidden stuff over the years that I'm not surprised that they keep doing it. And just the way players are sometimes, I can understand why you're like, we're going to hide this stuff until you either put the effort in or you don't type of thing. It's the, it's the weirdest, it's the weirdest reward structure, but it, but it's, it also comes down to who you play with too. If my guildie didn't say anything, I still would have not done the mastery that <laughs> night. I would have just, I would have just moved on to other things. Right. But the, See, and then that's just it. If you have a good community that it's exploring everything and getting everything done with you, like, and then they're like, hey, did you see this? And you'd be like, no, it's not there. See, it's not there, right? And they're like, well, it's here. And they show you, he literally screenshot it and put it in the Discord, like, it's there. We're like, what? And then finally we figured out, oh, the mastery. But it was so cool because you realize there's more. Like, you're doing all this work and you're like, oh, well, 
you know, my effort died because I couldn't see the the carrot on the stick type of thing. Like, why am I running on this treadmill type of thing? And then he's like, you can actually get the carrot. And I was like, oh, so then I went and did the stuff. I, I went and did the stuff. I was up by like four in the morning the next day. I'm like, I'm finishing this. I'm getting my boxes. Um, but then also seeing what the meta did and stuff. It's interesting, but I do agree that it would be better if they gave us more information on how to unlock more things instead of hiding it in tooltips in the mastery or um, just sort of being ambiguous about how the rewards are, are structured. I don't even know how to do the cape. I wasn't interested, so I forgot about <laughs> it, but I still don't know how to do it where it started. And I think I was on an, I was watching someone else's stream, Shay stream, and she was talking about um, the cape or whatever and showed the vendor and stuff. I'm like, where is that? Like, like there were so many rewards. Again, the Ice Brood Saga, everything that we have, there is so much stuff. It, it's been the longest, it's been the longest series of anything, any season, any expansion type stuff. The content is massive and there's so many rewards. There are so many skins. We keep begging for skins and this and that and weapons and armors, and I don't have any of it done. I mean, I have some of it done, but there's just no way for me to to stay so invested in it to, to finish all that stuff. And other people have, and I'm impressed, but the rewards were massive. There were just so much stuff in this Ice Brood saga, and it's it's hidden behind metas. There's There's drop rewards in places there's i'm trying to think of something else that was in drizzlewood oh they had the infusion in drizzlewood so you go and get all that stuff was there there was there was ascended things left and right um and now we're seeing they're giving us more because they're like oh legendary armory coming better get your ascended and legendary stuff together fools and you're like so you are going to give it to us before the expansion but if you think about it it makes sense because if they make us get our legendary stuff down done now when we get to the expansion we're not fiddling with the armory we already have that and, and so it makes me think what are they giving us in the expansion that's better than the armory what are they giving us what what so they already Gen told us new legendaries yeah new <laughs> legendaries right so but what else what else right they can't just they can't just start giving us legendary stuff and an armory and things like that what what is the hook what is going to be that mount what is going to be that gliding what is going to be the mastery system what are they going to give us that makes us forget the drms 100 percent because you never want to play them again and then realize maybe they are okay but you don't want to admit that because you don't want that kind of content unless it's actually polished out and finished and sent out to the players in a way and packaged in a way that you're like, oh, this doesn't take freaking 20 minutes of my life for each one because I'm not going to sit here for an hour and then fail because the challenge is only 15 minutes long. But anyhow, my point is, if the expansion gives <laughs> the expansion <laughs> gives us content that is better than what we got in the Ice Brood Saga, that is so huge because, again, it was so huge. You know what I mean? Like, it, and then seeing the reward structure and how they did the just that was that was it episode five those chapters they gave it to us piece by piece but it was so much they just didn't stop giving us stuff to do they were just like oh you want skins weapon set weapon set weapon set these other skins we forgot about we're throwing them in there you see you see you know 
<laughs> just it's so it's random you want an infusion here's an infusion it was like somebody was sitting in a room just being like tell us what rewards we need to give the players and just wrote it all on the board and, and then threw the marker at the board and said we're doing it all and just that's what they did. they gave you a cape come on they were they just didn't stop they like that was one episode and we're not even talking about the previous episodes all the weapons the infusions in there just they just it's so stacked with rewards like People already forgot about the the Char Metal concert and all that kind of stuff. They gave us a T-shirt. They gave us they gave us emotes and things like that. And Final Fantasy fourteen players make fun of me because I'm like, yeah, you can earn an emote in this meta reward. And they're like, we have sixty thousand emotes. I don't know why this is so special. That's to you. true. We have so many of them, but it's a rare and beautiful thing in Guild Wars too. <laughs> I'd love if the new expansion had a bunch of emote rewards that you could earn from various things. That'd be so good. Um, and then like the Char Metal concert, it's funny that you you mentioned that I think people have maybe forgotten it or like just don't remember quite as much initially how fun that was. But that to me was one of the most like memorable, unique metas in the game because I just loved that. I thought it was such a great example of Guild Wars 2's humor. They're like not being afraid to mishmash genres in a way that somehow works. And that is like really delightful and fun. It just felt creative. I love that, like even like the stage of it, the different things that you do during it. That was so fun. Um, and I agree with you. I think there's a lot in this whole season where even if you were maybe disappointed with the finale, there were still a lot of really good takeaways. There were still a lot of really good things and rewards and collections and achievements and puzzles and metas. And I do really think there were a lot of good things. I think there were a lot of things that still need polishing, that still need finessing, or that may even be abandoned, which is okay, because, you know, it might have just been temporary stuff that they were doing for this season, right? Like, to provide a little variant, something a little bit different. Um, but I liked a lot of the promise. I think there were some areas where it fell short, but I think there's a lot of areas where, you know, we really had some fun stuff, some memorable stuff, some good rewards, I, and I really liked that. I think the other thing we got to remember is content remnants is what i call them so even back in season one there are things that are just out in the world even reward structures and stuff that are old that's why it's exciting to see what they're going to do with the marionette when it comes back and how they're going to do reward structure and whether it's going to stay or go or just be in that period or whatever it is but when we had our older content um in living story one when it ended the rewards went with it. Anything you can earn inside of there was was gone. And then later on, they threw it in vendors and stuff. That is, that's the content remnants I'm talking about. Same thing with Jebro talking about unlocking the masteries with the same currency to get rewards. I think that is because they broke things up and they're like, how can we limit the mastery and lock it behind something? And they're like, oh, just put it with the vendor. But now it's sort of weird when you get in there. Why can't I just unlock it all type of thing? Why do I start to buy it? content remnants and it just it plagues the game all over the place until finally someone comes through with the polish and says uh no that's just that's not gonna work um so that's why like season one you go to that one vendor and it has all the nodes for the home instance and stuff because you missed it but now you know there's not a really a living world it's instance content that we keep around so you know people People are like, well, how'd you get that in your home instance? Well, now you tell them to go to a vendor, but it wasn't that easy when it came around. You had to go do this achievement or these achievements to get that reward. And so um, Aina does go back and change that stuff, but it's usually after, again, new players get it all. 
Like if I could have just walked in and just grabbed the the obsidian thing or whatever for the skill point for my characters by just having a certain amount of laurels and some gold, man, that that's so easy. But I'm so glad it's there for the new players because I don't want them to miss out on the reward. They just missed out on what how it got there. And that's mine. You can't have it. <laughs> And that's what's nice, but that those those content remnants, they usually go back and fix it, but it's down the road type of thing. And I hope they do look back on the DRMs and stuff and say, uh, yeah, these chores at the beginning need to be more simplified, or maybe the NPCs don't have to talk every time or whatever it is. Um, and just in the story, if you're doing story, I think you should get all that. But when you're doing more of a public thing, I think it's better to just sort of move things along um, type stuff. And they've done that with fractals and stuff where they're like, oh, yeah, they just sit there and talk forever, don't they? Um, so then they then they change it. But we'll, we'll see. And I, I see I'm so excited. That's what Anet's good at. We made content. It's a little meh, and then eventually sometimes they do go back and they're like, well, let's let's turn it around. Marionette, I really do wonder if it's going to be as difficult and the community is going to have to work just as hard as we did to beat it. Because um, once you figure it out, of course, it's easy. But things like Tequaddle and the Triple Trouble, um, the worm, right? We don't have enough of that content in the world. And it's fun to get in there and do what's considered hard, but it is... It's not hard. It's are you cooperating? Are you working with the community? Are you playing with the people? Are you doing more than just hitting the one skill? Because the marionette back in the day, if you didn't dodge or move a certain way, you ruined it for everyone else. There was an NPC that you had to beat, and if it would target somebody, and if you try to hit it from the front, no damage. You have to hit it from behind. So the other people had to get behind it. So if the person who was being targeted just started doing a circle, People couldn't beat it, and then that lane would fail, and then everybody be in chat like, you idiots, yeah, do you not know how to do that. this? There was all the different sections of the pie, wasn't it? It was like five yeah. or something like Oh, or for, for have a, how many? No, it was more than lanes. I can't remember it as well. But it was like, yeah, it was it was really awesome. But like you say, you know, you your section could be done, and you're just looking over the other side, and everyone's just in downstate, and you're like really dude like come on man please like just and you're just like yeah i've got you know i'm gonna have to do this again later but like i remember that pain um and also being in one of those sections that failed and being like all right i'm just gonna rage quit because otherwise i'm gonna get like a load of whispers all right it wasn't that bad but it, it was uh it is gonna be interesting i think i was gonna look at the roadmap after this but i think that might be its own podcast because there's a lot um i'm just excited for that one that one thing in the roadmap when they put it there, I was like, no, this isn't my ANET. This is this is something else. Where where do these people come from? Type of thing. Because they keep doing that stuff. I noticed even like with the Mystic Forge, when they finally fix the Mystic Forge and they let you put the items in and just repeat now. Who was that? They deserve a raise. They deserve I my money when I give it to ANET, give it to them. Don't tax free, just I just want to say hi, yeah, and put in all in dollar bills and just throw it at them like a softball and be like, that's all yours forever. Because that that little thing right there just life changing inside the game. Quality of life, no life changing kind of stuff. And they do it all the they do those things and they just like throw it in a patch somewhere, but it's it's so much more important than that. It should be in bold, be like, we fix this veterans. We, we this is fixed now, or we change this so you can actually enjoy it. And they just 
they just they just hide it in there they're like oh yeah and then we changed the mystic forge like the salvage all when that came out that was life-changing man having a you kids do not understand look at these gray hairs you do not understand i did not have gray hairs when i started playing this game okay none now i'm getting old we had to click both ways to salvage everything <laughs> right and, and you had to use three different kits and you didn't have a Phrasing. choice there wasn't this right click salvage all and you fill <laughs> you would accidentally fill up your bag with like too much equipment we didn't have this unidentified gear that you right click use all that didn't exist get out of here these people don't even know they don't even know before expansions we had living story that was gone in two weeks you either did it or you lost out okay now yeah. you're gonna replay stuff like Cove. you'd be lucky if you could actually like get more than one fps every two minutes okay that was that was a special time i remember those times <laughs> Amazing, amazing. Where they completely flip-flopped on what they were going to do for the rest uh, of their, their career. Drink um, 100 alcohol, 100,000 alcohol. Do you know what an auto-clicker is? No, because you have right-click, consume the stack. Get out of here. That's true. We do think about all the different things they have, but maybe all the things that, that should have been in the game at the beginning, but that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> I wonder what's going to change in Ender Dragons, though, when we get to there Dude. and what they're going to change. Don't so start opening up even more conversation and stop so saying like, so because if you do right? you're gonna be talking Change for another 20 minutes in the dragons what are they gonna give us zorik cannot be stopped zorik is out of the only we have future podcasts have I'm to to you cannot go through all of my content in one stream <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you don't invite me back soon enough it builds up <laughs> Nobody else wants to talk about it. They think I'm a crazy guy on the street corner being like, what? Guild Wars 2? What? What are um, you talking actually, about? I believe, I believe, I believe that Kroof had something to say. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> please, Kroof. Just the only thing I have to add to this rewards conversation is that it took <laughs> me a month to about... figure out how to unlock rewards. Yeah, there, through is, the there, there is a lot of rewards. It was sad. So, yeah. There is a lot. That is all. That is an issue, actually. <laughs> Leave meeting. Is it, is, it not, is it upsetting, Kruf, that it took that long? Should it be more intuitive? It could have been a me problem, honestly. But, you know, it could it could be my own fault. But it could equally be the fault of the design. But, yeah, maybe there does need to be, like, a Kruf button where it's like, this is what you have to do. This is where you go. Because apparently I'm just <laughs> out of it that it took me a month to figure out how to yeah, but you're the right. There is there is nothing that tells you, you know, you can go and get rewards from here. Like I found some dude on the other side of the the of like Eye of the North where it's like, Do you wanna come with me to do this like kind of side quest thing? Where you know the I, I can't this one of the shamans where you, you go to different areas and you unlock achievements and you can oh, get mastery. The owl shaman. I just found that last night. I was like, I didn't even know you were there, dude. <laughs> yeah. Where did you come you from? Not at all wrong person. <laughs> and like this is where I think that Honestly, a few more cutscenes would have been really, really helpful to me. Yes. If you're like at Eye of the North and then a new vendor gets added, boy, would I have loved it if like that vendor appears and is like, hi, I'm here and here's a little bit about me and my dating you profile. You want entrance music, like, don't you? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. these are all the things Dang, that I can offer. 
<laughs> like even welcome to okay cupid <laughs> okay I here's my that. social security number hello i'm david i'm six foot seven i like uh pajamas and i also read books about my chickens. name is bethany i'm three foot nine <laughs> i have a mean right hook and i love collecting dead moths i also I have my heart to bethany <laughs> <laughs> I also have several rewards. Uh, they have a different, different skin and blurry things available. Then you may buy them for me for five hundred tokens that you must carry around with you for a very long time. My God, my friend you... Jonathan, however, he has amazing hats. Look at his hats. And also, Deirdre, Deirdre, she has small leprechauns that you she can She has purchase. syphilis. She no, Grove. She doesn't. No, she does not have this. No, that's it the took, NPC. It took the whole stream for it to to happen. To be fair, I will give you that. It was a past thing that came up at the end of a stream. You did well, and that's two hours and forty minutes. That was good. Well done. Callback. Well done. Yeah, it's a bit of a callback. If anybody ever nice questions buttons. what happens pre-show, this this is the conversations that happen and, and it, the things it's that the are same said. every time as well. <laughs> this yeah. is a great plug. What episode was that? What episode? Episode like ten or something? Go watch episode no, ten or no, eleven. No, not ten. Go. It was all of them. Go and watch oh all of God. them. <laughs> to find out. You have to go find it. I mean, yeah, I would have loved it. it, and then I could have found out all about her. We could have gone on a side quest to cure her syphilis, and I would have been yes. really with it. Here is your medication. We have to find the cure. Wow. Do this. But I'm just saying, particularly with Eye of the North, it's yes. like that table that has all of the different, you know, like notable people around it. I wanted like a single cut scene where we were standing with them at the table <laughs> and they were like, I'm so glad that we cured, you know, our friend syphilis, but now let's talk about what we're going to do with these dragons. Has, has Angry Zork ever cried on stream when it's not about something serious? I don't know if that's her first, but um, potentially, potentially. Just the adventure to cure syphilis. That needs to be something. <laughs> yeah, that's a game in itself, I think. That's, that's also something else. Aina, take notes. Take I know notes. that the dragon Peach story content. is an allegory. It's a deep allegory. Yes, it's definitely, it's definitely <laughs> deep something. <laughs> also, in getting back to Guild Wars 2, um... <laughs> They, they, you said table, and it made me think about all the people that yeah. you saw at the table uh, just before you go into the episode. Make sure, if you haven't played the episode, massive spoilers anyway now, that you go and have a look who's standing around the table, the big round table, before you go into the instance, because when you come out and you complete it, they're not there anymore. They moved. But, like, there's Ogden, there's, like, dwarf uh, peeps, there's... Um, uh, what what's his name? Gets naked a lot. Uh, Aaron. That, that's Aaron. It. Yeah, yeah. He's there. Love Aaron. him. Loads of other people as well. It's pretty cool. Um, Flunt. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes Flunt. Yeah. He's but he's there. No, yeah. he's there. I mean, there are so many great characters at Eye of the North. I would have liked to have seen that become more of like, and maybe this would have helped yes. with some of the disconnect, like you were talking about earlier, Kroof, with like the like instancing and doing stuff. I would have mm. liked it if we felt more like the Eye of the North was a character in and of itself, right? Like, you end up there and, like, it, it's this rich moment where, like, it's this reveal of this really cool thing. And, like, as you go through it and more people get added, you get these, like, really interactive, cool sort of moments mm. with them. And you get a little bit of a crash course and, like, what's happening? 
I think that really, really, really could have been a good thing for the hub. I mean, as it is, if you go and you talk to people and you use the wiki and you do all that stuff, right? Like you can find it. But I agree with you in that a lot of stuff with this saga and season did kind of go over my head. And with like some of the masteries and things, it wasn't until I had really dug in. And I mean, that's kind of a lesson for a lot of stuff in Guild Wars yeah. too, right? But it wasn't until I really started to dig in or even talking to all of you or talking to whoever mm. or Guild where I went, oh, you can get that. You can do that. You can, if you run it. Oh, so that's why we, okay. All right. So then I should repeat that or like, you just don't understand otherwise. And you sit there at the end and you're like, I did it. Do I get a good boy treat? Did I? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of I it can't... does relate to Guild, War, to Guild Wars as well, in all honesty. I think, I think some sometimes in the game, I would love a, like a little, like, you know, when someone character comes in from Guild Wars and you're like, and everyone's like, whoa, or there's this, like, I have the North. And like, it's from Guild Wars. And like, you didn't play Guild Wars. <laughs> It's like, you do feel a little left out sometimes, and I'm like, I'm going to look up the things, and that's cool, a little bit of research. Sometimes I'm like, and they would never do this, and no one probably agrees. But I would like, like a little cutscene from Guild Wars to come in randomly and be like, do you want to watch this little snippet from blah, 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 um, where you can watch a cutscene to have more more information? And I would I just would be like, that. yeah, I think that would actually be like fun. Yeah. Back in season three. Exactly. I also don't believe correct me if i'm wrong right but in guild wars one um since i haven't finished all of Art of the north but um but there were achievements with that right and then those achievements would like be on pedestals and stuff in the hall right yep so or hall of monuments, monuments was that yeah. it yeah yeah for so guild wars for I don't believe there was anything where, like, if you had those achievements in guild wars 2 you had some sort of different visual thing Oh, there were skins. Yeah, there's skins. So if you've got achievements from Guild Wars, so one of the incentives to play Guild Wars more before the before Guild Wars 2 came out was to get all these achievements so that you could get extra skins. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. nothing, yeah, it's yeah, nothing yeah. too, like, that crazy. And a ranger pet. Well, but yeah, the ranger oh. pet is that, like, white raven. There are some cool oh, yeah. achievements, but it wasn't, what I meant was, it wasn't the kind of thing where, as Eye of the North unlocked here in Icebird, if you had those achievements in Guild Wars 2, there was something unique in the instance? Was, oh. I, don't think, I don't think so. No, I think it was pretty, like, normalized for modern-day Guild Wars 2. But I think there is some way where you can go to the old version of Eye of the North and see those, those yeah, you past can go to achievements. It before, before everyone came, before everyone came mm -hmm. there. I wonder, actually, you're making me think if there was something, because I feel like... It would be really cool if there was something unique in there. Or, and I would actually love that, Jeb, if they put something in where you could do like an optional, just yeah, cutscene from Guild Wars 1 and just kind of see it. Yeah. I know why they don't, up. because they're like old game graphics. Like they're probably worried, like of some weird thing. But I wouldn't, I'm not, I wouldn't give a, I don't care about that. I care more about this, the knowing what the f is going on. Do you know? I <laughs> I did mention the Shunlight chest, which I do love. And like the moment that was in there, I went, Cantha? I think so many people were like, it's got to be Cantha, right? Because that is something directly from factions. So that was a cool touch. But yeah, it would have been cool, I think, especially as we head into what we kind of assume is going to be the last sort of major Guild Wars 1 throwback in the game. Um, yeah. I think this is, you know, a big sort of final moment with departing with that story in a good way. Like you were saying, mm. Zorik, like I think it's time that, you know, this team gets a chance to 
start their own story and tell their own story and like take advantage of the incredible lore that's a part of this world because Guild Wars mm. 2 is huge. So I I am really excited about that. Um, but yeah, I think there were maybe just a few little details, a few little details that could have been added in to make it feel even more like that. And especially for people that have been with the game since Guild Wars 1, that would have been neat to see a little, even like a little tiny mm. touch for if you had those achievements, like the White Raven was perched on something or, you know, like that would be cool. I wish I, I do want to, I, I'm, this is a podcast I'm planning for the future with where I'm going to just have kind of new players that are streamers now of guild wars 2 and I, i'm looking forward to getting their response of how they feel like the story plays through and whether or not they feel they need to know much about guild wars to to really feel involved and uh, invested in the story i guess that's something that i really want to want to know more about because you know i've gone back and searched and played through the game and i'm starting to we, we're going to be doing our playthrough of like factions or whatever it is we need to play to get more of an idea of camphor and everything else but i'm still like kind of do i want to do that and i've played a bit um of i think i think i've played a little bit of something i can't remember but like yeah so i'm looking forward to doing that myself but it's uh yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what they do and like you said i think that's really important like you've like you say the new writers like coming in and being able to tell brand new stories or just be like you know there's all these different races maybe we can start you know doing something with that put some factions in there and sorry that's going back to the guild <laughs> but like, do you know what i mean like it would be cool um and yeah i don't know it's there, kind of did lot. it with the char yeah, they kind a of did. Bit. Yeah, and the Silvaria Starting a little to, bit, I guess, hopefully. as well. Like, that's why I like Heart Fawns, because it was like the Silvaria. There was all this thing where, like, is, is the Silvaria going to break off? Are you going to have to be like, could you be like a baddie on the like the bad evil faction? There was all these ideas of what that was going to be. Um, and that, I think there was an excitement about that. But The Silvari were... <laughs> Here's my problem with oh. Heart of Thorns. Oh my god, Silvar. this is not half on the podcast. <laughs> but, but here we are. We've done that one. When the game started, Jesus. there were so many hints about the Silvari, right? And what they really were. we What annoyed now, me the most when we got to HOT was, was Mordremoth was like, the Silvari are mine. But what bothered me was there was no whispers up to that point. And then you get, you get into this expansion and then suddenly you hear the dragon right and it just annoyed me it would have been so much better because there isn't an instance before that it would have been great if you're fighting zaitan or something and then you like the Silvari character story hears oh, jesus christ just, <laughs> it just, just plays like in the same ago, thing Bloody hell. why did they why did they do I, I don't know jormag was the same way whisper 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 it stops it just stopped well they didn't well, we killed the Kanan <laughs> whispers. That's all I'm saying. Well, now it's stopped. Pymoris didn't even get a voice actor. We got nothing from Pymoris. <laughs> he, he's like a dog. He barked. Yeah. Like, I... well, his mouth is full of lava, so he would have just been like gargling. Well, we found <laughs> out that he just had loads of rocks in his mouth, and that was what was in the the uh, the me well, it was one of the mechanics, wasn't it? He just like nommed on some rocks, and they just kind of flew out. <laughs> So that's what it was. That's what he's trying to get rid of them, and then didn't get a chance to speak because as soon as he opens his mouth, there's flipping jaw mag like throwing down this flipping beam of light or whatever the hell it was, and then he's dead. So he's about to say something really, really poignant and meaningful. That was the moment, and then jaw mag messed it up. So. Yeah. 
Pretty much it. That's basically yeah, what happened. That's, that is I mean, in, <laughs> in the dragons right there. <laughs> so, I, don't, the I don't necessarily mind, like, it's tough because I do, I feel like if you're, I'm trying to put my thoughts together on this, I feel like if you are going to portray that dragons are sentient, which we have seen from every single one, right? Then that to me does feel like a very significant thing. Yeah. I, so having Primordius again not have an intelligence so far as we can tell is strange. I personally loved, oh my gosh, this was one of the coolest things when they started, like we've seen with the destroyers a bit of this sort of like crab like, insect like kind of thing. Yeah. But as we got to some of the uh, like, uh, I want to say champions, but the, the dragon, the actual like dragon spawn that he has, oh, yeah. um, like, I loved that they looked like earth, molten earth insects. And in my mind, I would have loved it if they'd done something like in Mass Effect. A very um, crustacean-y. Yeah, like Mass Effect or other <laughs> sci-fi or like Borg or something like that, right? Where you have like a mm. shared consciousness or like a hive mind. Oh, I like the Borg, I think that's cool. really intriguing and I really like that kind of idea. So it would have been really fascinating to have Jormag as like an individual's like intelligence and will whereas primordius was something more like a hive collective that like consumed and destroyed in service to that like that would be really neat but yeah like as it was it kind of feels as though they went almost a little bit opposite with that which is okay with me it's just unique and i guess it's okay because these are twins out of the dragon so that's kind of unique in the sense that it felt like jormag was very much more about that like intellect sentience that kind of thing whereas primordis feels more it's subversive it's a cold they are a cold sort of force that sinks in and like you know corrodes and i thought that was a cool touch whereas primordis is more of like a natural disaster that like happens suddenly that is embodied by this volcano that is and so it's less of this intelligence and it's more of this destruction and consumption that's almost a natural force so that, like, to me, works as far as not giving Primordia sentience. And with the two of them being tied and maybe, like, intelligence got split to one and then that raw force got split to the other, that's also something that could be an interesting motivating factor for Jormag to try to become powerful if they have always been the less powerful of the two. But, again, do we see all of this, I think, really clearly and compellingly told to us in the story? No. And I think that characterization could have been stronger. <laughs> <Hand thing. laughs> this is my, you need to watch I the video for that. Been, it wish it could have been like it's there. And like this is just like yeah, you get the little grab hands when you're grabbing up. You're grabbing up those story threads and those character beats and reading into it. I love that. And I think it's really powerful. But um, I don't think it was quite strong enough maybe maybe for us to really be able to say like yeah this was the thing and i think this is really compelling because you can still be compelling with a force of nature and that could have even had you side more with jormag right like this mm -hmm. idea if they had sort of used that to be like you know my my sibling got this power but i have always been the one that's had to struggle and fight and you know they are not some like you want them to go down because between the two of us, I'm the one you can reason with. Like, that would have been really mm. cool. <laughs> I think that was my problem, too, because we never got any sort of at least explanation of what Primordius really was as a character. 
to even like because i would have liked to have seen both sides because we got to know what jormag thought but we didn't really get anything with primordis or anything at least of what jormag had to say about primordis all mm. jormag was like all in chain it's my weight i'm scared i'm trying to like survive on my own so i would have liked to see a little bit more of that duality it was the, maybe um... got more from bram because Bram only had like one episode yeah, where well, like yeah, that's yeah. true. Maybe he will give us some information as as we go further on if he, if that's still around. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But that episode where we go down into and he gives himself over to Prime Orders was actually very good. Like that was actually really good. You know, with the spirits of the wild and them trying to save him, make sure he's going to be okay. Um, and like just wondering about all that, and then you know, and so like. I guess, like, a main question I have is, where the fuck are the dwarfs? I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, what's happening with the dwarfs? And are they going to be here ever? Because if they're not, I'm going to quit the game. Like, really? Does anyone where know? Is where is Oja? Where is Oja? Where is yeah, the Asura, how dare you? Who cares about the Asura? <laughs> We've got them upstairs. That's all right. They're fine, okay? Like, most was... of them are okay. Who cares, really? Like, dwarves, where are they? Like, are they going to come back? Are they going to come back? You know, are we? what is going on with all of this stuff? We've got an expansion coming up. Maybe we'll find out. Who knows? And I'm just... I guess... Tune in next week on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I'm going to do, do you... one episode, and it's going to be about dwarves in Guild Wars 2. And it's going to be amazing. But that I DRM is awesome. But there were no dwarves say... in Cantha. Ah, oh, you're so buried from this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sad. mean they I'm can't be. Too. Well, you know be. what? Yeah, that's true. We don't know where they went for 250 years. I doubt they would just stayed in the mountain and fought the destroyers. Look at Ogden. He's just like, I'm going to go read books. Yeah, Ogden came back. He was just like, I'm good. Like, this, this. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Ogden kind of just abandoned them, didn't he? <laughs> he I can't remember. He's just, just like, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah, he just turns to stone so he can live forever and then leave. <laughs> I went on the coffee hoping, <laughs> I was kind of hoping that Ogden would make an appearance when the dwarves did. And that, like, we'd get to see more. Or he does. Or somebody, you can talk to someone about it. But he's at the, he's, like, kind of at the epilogue when you leave yeah. the instance. You can kind of talk to him for, like, a little bit. But, like, nothing where... Mm. Yes, she remarks like he's been like seeing fighters for thousands, or, like for hundreds of years, and then it's kind of all like, "Yay, you're a dwarf." Yeah, like to me, I was expecting that for something this big, right? We would have had a shot like at the end of that dragon response mission at the forge or something, where like a door that's been locked for a millennia opens, and a legion of dwarves comes marching up the way, and they've come from like the bowels of the of the earth because they realize Primordius was stirring, and like that's what I was expecting. My two biggest, like, I've talked a lot about a lot of things that were really good about, you know, this whole season and the culmination. My two biggest drop the balls for me were the dwarves, which I just felt like was a story beat that was monumental and for whatever reason just like does not even register as a thing that happens unless you like look in the instance, understand what's happening and talk to Ogden at the end. Like, and then the other one for me was, oh, I always purposefully erase his like name from my mind because i hate him dumb boy char man who was like bangar no he's like i'm a military strategist so i'm gonna send all our forces to die because they're smoter smoter <laughs> I, I, I talk about him in my video too yeah smoter smoter big sad it's one of the biggest she failed. died well he, he got killed in the first five minutes he did die didn't he <laughs> 
Smolder's a happened. huge idiot. Wait. <laughs> Smolder died. Yeah, I thought he got shot in the face. I think the right one. I think maybe I'm thinking of a different one. I was I like, think that, got, okay. that got resolved pretty. No. <laughs> I think it's Smolder, isn't it? For me, Smolder was the big disappointment. So I thought, never mind. It could I be mean, someone yeah. else. Smolder, they, are they alive? Obi's saying the Iron. No, it is. Iron Legion Imperator, Smolder. That's it, right? Didn't he die? I thought he died. Which the one, one was who that? died? Yeah, he's the dead. One? Is he alive? He got shot in the face. We were talking about Zaitan earlier, so fuck it. He's alive again. Let's go back. <laughs> we go back to the core game. Give me a second. Give me a second. I can pinpoint this in like a single moment. It is Smolder. It is Smolder. Because um, previously, he's been, I believe, if you've been invested in Charlor and things like that, He's been somebody who has been a fairly, like, at least v verbal advocate for working with the other races. And then he's also supposed to be a brilliant military strategist. And yet he, like, is sending his people in just to die as fodder for, like, no seeming reason. And he wants you to do a plan that makes no sense. And then he is the one correct who uh, is like, I'm going to kill the hostage, which all of these things to me. Mm -hmm. I was just like, mm -hmm. for me personally, in how this whole story culminated, he stood out as a bizarre element in an otherwise like strong narrative that I feel like had some very good compelling character moments. He just did not make sense to me. So initially I was like, he must like maybe Primordius has started to stir and has like affected him or maybe Jormag is trying to use him to aggravate what's happening to drive like their champion further into like into following this path that they want um, when, you know, maybe they're like, you know, maybe Ryland was about to acquiesce in some way to a peace treaty. But like he never gets resolved as making sense to me. And he just then gets killed which good because everything he did was <laughs> idiotic like <laughs> is there a celebratory <laughs> clip that we can find of, of uh rick just going yeah he did he to me made the absolute least amount of sense this whole season and then the dwarves being, I think, underused. Those were the two big things that really stood out to me on this. Um, as I think being some of the biggest missed opportunities for story beats and confusing moments, maybe. Mm. So, Kirk, I'm glad that you also had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm just disappointed how they handled him. They, like, killed him off and they were like, okay, moving on. I kind of liked it. And they had, it. like, interesting things. I liked that he died, no, because cause I didn't there was, like, like inner conflict between them. Well, yeah, but there was, like, he killed some of, like, uh, not Kresha, Malice's spies. Yeah, like, they yeah, bombed yeah. that place and it ended up being mm -hmm. them. And I was like, ooh, there's going to be some cool conflict. But nope, he died in the next episode. Oh, yeah, it was just literally like, there's someone just sniped him out, right? Like, he just got sniped. Yeah. It was that. It, it was, was weird. like, freak, 360 oh. no scope on Smoda's face. I was like, <laughs> Ryland kills him, but it happens in this combat instance where if you're not paying attention mm -hmm. or like if things get pushed fast enough, it can even like interrupt his dialogue so you don't even realize that Ryland kills him. And like when I first did it, something happened where like the dialogue got cut off and I was standing there and then all the dust cleared and I looked over and I was like, wait, Smoke dead. He dead? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was no there was no VO for that at that point. Yeah, when it was first released, that's right. Yeah, it took a lot um, out of it. It's interesting to play Guild Wars Two without VO, that's for sure. Because there's not many visual cues to a lot of stuff. It's a lot of speech bubbles and like them walking around and you like because whereas like ESO, 
and uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, and you know, even to to a degree, WoW as well. They're all very very stationary mobs that you go into this kind of mini cutscene with most of the time whereas guild wars 2 is very much they kind of abandoned that from dungeons and and back in the original story they don't really do that anymore they didn't do it in path of fire or heart fawns maybe even as far as i remember um and i love that i love that into that this you know the screen behind the very art oriented like screenshot or whatever and then you kind of seeing your character in this enlarged state uh Interestingly enough, you can actually get that in WoW. You can get a World of Warcraft mod, which is the Guild Wars 2 one, and it will put your character like that next to the NPC you're talking to. It's bloody mm-hmm. amazing. I was playing it the other day on stream. <laughs> it's so good. Um, anyway, but like, just random. Um, so yeah, they like have not having the voice stuff. I think yeah, I didn't even play the second episode, which they released without VO. Because it just removed a lot of a lot of just feeling, I guess, and everything. <laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't just say everything for me. Uh, and I held off for a long time until they did it. Um, but yeah, I think I think we can kind of come toward an end now. <laughs> I think we a lot. Where are we going? We could dragons. probably keep talking about it. But I don't want to um, like take up the whole of your days because you know you probably. Have I got a lot to, to say. I got a lot to say for and, sure. Yes, yeah, I was going to say, and there are <laughs> more podcasts in the uh, in the future, of course, as well. Um, there will be definitely one about. So, so this is a finale. If you listen to this as well, it's definitely worth talking about um, what's happening between now and the next expansion, which we will find out about on the twenty seventh of July on uh, Twitch.tv slash Guild Wars Two. Uh, and they will be talking about what's going on up until that point though we've got different things to look forward to legendary armory on july 13th which is like two weeks before that um which is a major highlight we've got the tournament of legends for pvp dragon bash uh world v world no no down statement which will be hilarious fractal rush uh, another PvP season, World v World, week-long bonus, whatever that is. So I've got to look into that. Um, but we're going to be talking about this on a future episode. But before he uh, starts smashing the crap out of whatever he's doing next door, we're going to do a bit of an outro. Unless there's anything else you want to mention, very briefly, I will highlight that briefly word um, <laughs> before we go, that you really need to say something about the story or the expansion or, or the um, patch we just had. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let me just get my notes out. I did have no. a short essay prepared, and I would like. <laughs> it's Which reminds me. Uh, I have one, two, three, four, <laughs> six pages here of essay that I've written. That we need to go over why Jormag needs a better story, in the sense of what was it like to be asleep for thousands of years I... yeah did you wake oh, up feeling actually, rested zorik your joint score zorik i actually have here something i'd like to read um which is my fan fiction with a self-insert character that i wrote about how um i did sort of like a re-envisioning of sleeping beauty but with me kissing Jormag instead so i'm gonna get started and i hope everybody will enjoy it thank you mm-hmm. oh i have an interpretive oh, this stream's continuing now please carry on <laughs> I'm actually interested in that. <laughs> yeah, I that think that's the next right YouTube there. video. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it starts with... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you were like, 
That's gonna be a really good joke, and no one's gonna care. Now we care. <laughs> now we care. Don't tempt me. Don't We're tempt me. I'll write that for <laughs> When I was a young rook standing on an icy plateau. <laughs> plateau. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's, it looks like there isn't anything. I'm gonna say that. Um, so we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, oh, Lord. <laughs> must kiss non-binary dragons and love them and embrace them and take them as our life partners thank you thank you okay <laughs> right that's the end of the podcast i feel like zora's gonna say something say I, I, go play the ice fruit song if you haven't played it before end of dragons comes out make sure you get out there play it's a, it's great content don't don't listen to the masses right now you'll play it get to the finale and then then you can be part of whatever opinion you want to be a part of but i think it's 100 percent worth it even the drms are at least worth playing through and all that it's great content okay. and did a great job so there it is okay there are definitely opinions out there i myself i did have fun playing it i we i think we can all we've all said we we kind of agree with all the plot holes and all yeah. the other things i think generally I, a lot of the time i I do think about my uh, potentially how much I'm paying for something and how much I should be getting out. That's part of it for me as well. It's not the same for everyone. Obviously, I understand. We all understand that we all have different, unique and amazing experiences that we'd love to see played out. And unfortunately, that isn't always the case. And sometimes people get a bit upset about that. And that's also fine and okay. This has been episode 13, talking about the finale of the Ice Brood Saga. Uh, and excited about the future we have had three amazing guests we've had angry zoric kruf and bird of chess bird of chess tell us what you do where you do it and that's it no Sorry questions yourself. today Sorry no okay wait uh, <laughs> how am i supposed to tell things about myself you're breaking tradition what is your main feature as a npc that walks into the eye of the north that people will be um fascinated with Oh no, you That's asked me too thing. big a question. That's okay, okay, okay. You, okay, you said okay, no question okay. and then now I just went for it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Rook, aka Bird of Chess. I stream usually three days a week at twitch.tv, Bird of Chess. I do variety MMO broadcasting with a focus on Final Fantasy XIV and Guild Wars 2, but we play a lot of other things. Um, I do some ESO and JRPGs, RPGs, all that good stuff sometimes makes an appearance because I just love video games. So whoops uh you can also find me on youtube at bird of chess and you can find me on twitter at bird of chess i'm pretty much bird of chess everywhere but i don't know how to play chess um so maybe this i'm sorry oh Chris, i'm so sorry i can teach Top you on 10 screen, anime betrayals. i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> um i but what i do as an npc i think i would want to be um snargle gold claws co-author and <laughs> want to write like crack fiction about people's characters <laughs> and all the characters in the game and i would give you um a, a, a personalized dragon fanfic we're gonna roll with what i was saying here at the end about you and a dragon of your <laughs> so a glowy a glowy book <laughs> maybe and write about the player characters yes okay. reader geek yes <laughs> amazing yeah amazing thank Tear, you for coming to the show. times 
bestseller. <laughs> Please go check yep. out Rook Burgess, all this stuff. I appreciate you coming on today as well and taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Kroof, tell us about all the things. What are you doing? Want Same that. question. What would you be your main feature be as an NPC in Isle of the North if you did come in and have a massive entrance and all stuff? Well, hello, everyone. I just want to briefly say if you or a loved one have been diagnosed with mesothelioma, you may be entitled for a toll-free claim. But other than that, my name's Kroof, and I do a lot of YouTube stuff over at Kroof. Sometimes when I'm not feeling... Just over at Kroof? So down the website? What? What is that? Over at YouTube.com forward slash Type it in the no search. Address. I'm pretty it's sure just... these people are competent, Debro. I'm pretty sure they're more competent than I am. Okay. New app. It's I do YouTube stuff. If you go to YouTube stuff sometimes. And then sometimes I do Twitter stuff too. So you can follow me over at Twitter. And you can help me with my coping from being bullied on this stream. And I, I would have to say I would probably be a Mystic Forge, meaning you would give me your valuables and I would give you shittier products. Okay. That's my, <laughs> that's me. Okay. I don't want to argue with you, Kroof, but for anybody who doesn't know, Kroof's already in the game as an NPC and I am the North. And if you go there, you can. <laughs> You can start the journey to cure crew. No, no. <laughs> oh my god. I just tell you, they are going to give you such a good reward oh. in the end. So it's well worth doing. Oh dear. Go talk to them. Have a great time. Never, I never oh thought that I would not be the problem with this podcast. I never thought that would be a thing, but apparently it has been. <laughs> Crew, thank you very much for your input. Please go away. Thank you for <laughs> inviting me all the time. <laughs> I love my time here. Thank you guys so Kruf much. Crew is amazing. Um, <sighs> sorry, I don't know. Tell <laughs> <laughs> oh. us the things, and also, what would your uh, your main feature be as an NPC in uh, Isle of the North? In maybe it could be an entrance song. I don't know. Uh, first, I want to thank uh, Kroof, Rook, and Jebro for uh, letting me be a part of this. It's amazing. They're amazing people and that kind of thing. Uh, you can find me on Twitch and YouTube. I am a variety player, um, but mostly my YouTube is Guild Wars 2 right now. I'm a veteran, ANET partner, all that jazz. Uh, so if you ever have any questions, you can also find me on Twitter if you want to hit me up there or even join the community Discord. And yeah, that's, that's it. NPC, more than likely... More than likely, I would be a dwarf that walked into the Iron North, then part of the wall would fall on me, and I would be trapped underneath there, and then Anet would, would forget to write my script and forget my existence after a while. Wow, that's so depressing. <laughs> I'm getting you right into your short story series about you. Jesus. <laughs> wow. I could psycho psychoanalyze everyone's NPC meanings right now, but, you know... I'm not qualified yet, so I won't. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for listening to the uh, 13th episode of the Lightbringers podcast, which is coming to you every two weeks as of uh, about a month or so ago. So it's been awesome. I apologize for the infinite amount of noise that is coming from my right-hand side. Something that I hope will change in the near future, or at least the work will get done. It's not the workers' fault, but hey-ho, it's still annoying. Um, Twitch.tv slash Unity, uh, which is our guild name as well, um, is my Twitch channel. You can also come and join us on YouTube. 
Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. We have a Guild and Guild Wars too. We're raiding once a week, which you are welcome to come and join. We play all the things, many things. We do podcasts as well, and I am a uh, mental health advocate as well as talking about all the things. Everyone is welcome from any community imaginable. So come and join us and hang out in the same with all of these awesome people as well. They're very welcoming and very awesome people. Um, uh, kind of most of the time, other than today. Um, but so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to go and watch we the vlog as well, <laughs> that'll be in the description if you're listening to this audibly. Otherwise, thank you very much. Um, and yeah, that is the end of the podcast. And we'll be back in a moment. But that's going to be it for now. Right here. So I'm gonna do the music and stuff so we can have a little outro. So goodbye for now, everyone wave, if you like. Goodbye. Thank you for watching.